Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have a special episode. We have our friend back, well, our good friend back with us, Mr. Dennis Heil. And we are going to talk about psychedelics for some strange reason. I don't know if it's the universe just trying to send me a message or... Just coincidence, or perhaps I uh, sought these things out on my own. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but recently I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about psychedelics. So there's a few about mushrooms, a handful about ayahuasca. Some other things have kind of come up in topics, uh, or not in topics, just in general conversation in some podcasts that I've listened to. But specifically, though, the ayahuasca seems to be standing out. And I don't know, again, if I've just... Uh, gravitated towards that because they've kind of come my way and they've been interesting or if I was kind of seeking them out because it just it's the universe trying to tell me something I'm not exactly sure but I'm going with it uh, so when I, I heard some of these podcasts at first and I had talked to, uh, to Dennis about doing these uh, he was super excited about the idea of it and we finally sat down and recorded this and it was definitely a lot of fun uh, these aren't anything that I have any experience with so uh, I know Dennis has a little bit of experience with, with some mushrooms, but other than that, uh, it's just a, a fun topic to talk about. It was very interesting to listen to the podcast that I did listen to. I mentioned those in the show, so you can go and check those out for yourself, because it's definitely worth your time. But I'm going to stop rambling and let you guys get in the episode. So please, without any further ado, sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have back with us my good friend, Mr. Dennis Heil. Howdy. How you doing, Dennis? Not too bad. It's been yourself? a while since we've seen each other. This it is has. good. Yes. So I know we've kind of run into each other a little bit down at the shop, and but we haven't really had time to really sit down and talk. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to this, because I know we had talked about doing this podcast, I would say, before Christmas. And now that it's uh, January here, so a brand new year, new year, new me, all that bullshit. <laughs> oh, <right>? yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like, we were like, okay, well, let's, let's do this later, but let's give it some time. Because today, specifically, I wanted to talk about psychedelics. And mm-hmm. there's, there's something that has been happening in the last few months is that these podcasts about psychedelics, whether it be mushrooms or ayahuasca or ibogaine, Lots of these different things, like they just kind of keep showing up, and I keep listening to these things, and they keep intriguing me. And I'm like, <laughs> "This is amazing! I want to listen again. This is such an amazing story." And it's like, I feel like there's a reason that the universe is throwing all these things my way, you know? Uh, yeah. And it's like I've I'm starting to get to the point now where it's like I've I've abandoned all religion completely because I believe that it's it's man made and it's bullshit. And I find myself being what most people would, saw, would say is like more spiritual and yeah. trying to like ground myself with Mother Earth and those kind of things and the hippy dippy bullshit with <laughs> the, the crystals and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, but that stuff just is is drawing in, 
uh, not drawing me in, is is more appealing to me at this point. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on, but I'm just fucking running with it. So here we go. Why not? So so exactly. So I, was, I know I talked to like you and Ethan at the shop, and I was like, hey. Listen to these great podcasts. I would love to talk about it. I know you had had some experiences with some different psychedelics we talked about before mm-hmm. on previous podcasts. And it was like, would, would you guys be interested in doing something like this? And you were like, fuck yeah, let's do this thing. <laughs> and unfortunately, Ethan is unable to join us today. He's got a bunch of stuff going on right now and yeah. just couldn't make time. So I didn't want to wait. Sorry, Ethan. We're doing it without you. Uh, maybe in a part two or something, <laughs> we'll have Ethan back on. And then uh, I was trying to get another friend of mine who's very much into like the spirituality, mm-hmm. Mother Earth, and connecting with like grounding and all those kind of things, the crystals and all the crazy shit. I was trying to get him on. Yeah, he was busy, couldn't join us. And then I, I was always trying to get my brother Andrew on, but uh, he never texted me back. This shithead. So when you listen to this, <laughs> damn it, text me back, you shithead. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just you and me. Just that is what it is. But because uh, I. I mean, I know we've talked about it before. So I yep. feel like the, the more people on the podcast, like there's more, there's more energy, there's more people's opinions, there's more things to interject. It's just more fun. Like Different I, perspectives. Yeah, it's yeah. like this. I, I mean, I view this as like this isn't us teaching anybody anything. This isn't oh. us being experts <laughs> of anything. This is this is us hanging out and having a good time. Absolutely. And it's like I don't get to see you guys enough because I mean I'm I'm busy working and going to the gym, doing those kind of things. I know you're always busy doing shit too. Is like. We don't get to hang out enough. So this is a great time to like put your fucking phone down, mm-hmm. you know, like put the thing on silent. Like, let's just talk and have a good conversation. Let's do but it. I'm, I'm excited about this one. So I don't know if uh, most people listening are familiar with ayahuasca. I'm sure they've heard of psilocybin and magic mushrooms and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then there's the, the other big one is ibogaine. And if I understand correctly, ibogaine is a similar thing to ayahuasca. Uh, one is considered the divine feminine and one is considered the divine masculine. But essentially, it's the same kind of thing, which is a plant-based um, medicine that has been used in the Amazon for <clears throat> probably hundreds of thousands of years. And it's it's DMT. Well, ayahuasca, yes. Ibogaine is, not. is from Africa. Oh, really? From what, what I understand, yeah. It, I did it originates not know that. from. Um, I've, I've heard him talk region. about it yeah. interchangeably. So I thought it was the same thing, but I guess I should have done some more research. I mean, again, I, I personally do not have experience with ayahuasca or ibogaine. Um, but just listening to other people that have experienced them um, and doing my own research, the way I understand it is I have heard ayahuasca referred to as the divine. Feminine. Yeah, they call it Mother Aya. Yes. I I have not heard anybody refer to Ibogaine as the divine masculine, though. Okay. Um, again, not that I'm a big person within these yeah. circles or anything. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's almost like a taboo thing here because I, in, in the Western world, that's looked upon as like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you're just doing drugs and you're getting high. And it's like, no, they're trying to heal themselves and make themselves yeah. better people. Like, what's wrong with that? I, I understand them as being similar but opposite. Um, similar in the fact that they both elicit psychedelic experiences. Opposite in the fact that those experiences take you in completely different directions. Okay. At least from listening to people that have gone through both experiences. Okay. Um, I hear ayahuasca generally explained as an enlightening outward, right? Your, your mind is kind of traveling out and connecting with the universe type thing. Um, you know, the, the 
what's that the universal consciousness that you know people refer to that's generally what i hear people explain with ayahuasca okay. is that that type of sensation or those type of feelings that Whereas, sounds that sounds exactly like uh, the experiences that i've heard people talk about mm-hmm. who've been on ayahuasca i've not heard specifically like experiences on ibogaine but i know that it's a big thing and for people who are dealing with post-traumatic stress and those kind of things mm-hmm. and it really helps heal people from trauma yeah, I think the, the Ibogaine, I, I know, especially if you've ever watched um, the the HBO series on Vice, Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, where he's a young Dr. Hamilton. Um, he actually goes, travels around the world and does every episode's a different drug. He does ayahuasca. He also does Ibogaine. Um, so, and he explained, I believe he explained it as well as others that I've listened to, is the Ibogaine is more... Instead of expanding outward into the universe, you're doing like a deep dive into inward. your subconscious. Okay. And most of the people that I've heard speak about their Ibogaine experiences, um, they explain having interacted with past relatives of theirs that existed generations before they were even born. Like great, great, great grandparents, essentially. They're, you know, while they're under the, the influence of the drug, they're having interactions with these great 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 grand relatives and they're they're gaining knowledge from that um i've also heard that ibogaine is absolutely not something that you want to do multiple times yes most anybody that i've ever heard of like that has explained their experience has said it's a it's a one and done type thing for them i mean it is a very intense it could be very beneficial of course but it's such an extreme intense experience that it's not something that you want to you get joy from necessarily yeah i think it's one of those things like it'd be good to do because it's I mean, any, any kind of deep dive into yourself to find out what the real problems are. I mean, think of it yeah. like therapy, right? Absolutely. And that's that's one of the, the correlations that one of the gentlemen who I'd listened to on a podcast who talked about, he's like, I could have done 30 years of therapy and maybe come up with this idea of what was going on in my head. But instead, I took this plant medicine and I got it in one, you know, six-hour session or whatever it was. And so it's like, but it's, it's interesting because it's like, you hear people talk about uh, like drugs specifically, and then they think like ayahuasca, or ibogaine, or mushrooms mm-hmm. like are drugs. And it's like, no, no. I mean, like it's got a drug-like probably um, effect on your brain, which mm-hmm. which obviously could make people who are uneducated about it think those kind of things. But it's like, it's not something I think again you would do for fun. Like this is something right. that you're doing <laughs> to, to try to heal trauma, and it's yes. it's not going to be a pleasant experience. No, like it's going to be rough. Whereas like I like drinking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like doing sugar and coke, uh, you know, cocaine and caffeine and all the <laughs> right. other drugs that are legal. And yep. I enjoy yep. those things. They get me high. I like those things. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I do that because it's fun. Yeah. I wouldn't think of doing like a deep dive into my inner subconscious as being fun. I think it'd be very beneficial. Yes. I'm I'm interested in doing stuff like that in the future because I feel like, again, like the universe is speaking to me like, hey, Maybe you should do something like this. Maybe it would help you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let me start off by asking this, right? Why is and this is a question that I've heard other you know, psychedelic researchers pose before. Why is it that as a human being, our body is physically built to be able to manifest psychedelic experiences? Yeah, 
we've got the receptors. Why is it that we have that ability? Our body creates DMT, does it not? (laughs) It does. Yes. So it's like absolutely. I I feel like our bodies are meant to do these things. Every animal on Earth, except for insects, produces DMT. Really? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yep. (laughs) And as far as I can tell from just my little research, the doctors they know that we produce it. They believe that it is that a, a big shot of it, the brain releases a big dose of it upon birth and death. Okay. Um, they, you know, I've heard some of them explain that's why they think that you know you have people with near death experiences explain. I saw essentially the light. having I psychedelic. This. I, I talked events. to my grandfather. Yeah. Exactly. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The same kind of experiences they may they might mm-hmm. have on a plant medicine. But what's its purpose? Who knows? Nobody really. Well, that's knows. the thing. Is like. Anybody who claims that they know is just, you know, full of shit. Yeah. You know, it's the same, same thing about any kind of like spiritual or religious kind of thing. It's like people have ideas, they have things that they believe in and things that they have faith in. And that's fine. That They're mm-hmm. completely allowed to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But as soon as you start saying, I know, it's like you're full of shit because yeah. you don't know. Because mm-hmm. nobody knows. No. And <laughs> yeah. I would say I have to agree with you 100% on the, the idea of. I would not consider myself religious, but I would consider myself spiritual. Well, I, was like, it's, I absolutely believe that there is some kind of kind of higher I, power, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I, don't, I don't really believe in this idea of like an explosion caused all these universes and all this life on these different planets and all this kind of different crazy stuff. I mean, that could you be. Know? I mean, it's it's possible, sure, but I just I just don't believe how that would physically happen i believe there's some sort of a higher power who created something and did something somewhere maybe we're just a fucking experiment in a petri dish who knows i have i have no idea but it's like i don't think it's any different to think of a mother aya who's going to show you like the outward expressions of the world and how you can be a better person i don't see that as any different than somebody who believes in any kind of god or deity or anything like that i I i don't see it as being any different you know, but it's like some people will poo-poo it because, oh, you know, it's just, you know, crazy spiritual whatever, and you be, believe in the power of healing crystals and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, all things have energy. We're, we're just energy. Like, we're, we're electrical beings. Like, that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what, what happens when you die? Like, they shock you to try to get your heart working again because it needs the electricity to move. Right. right. Like, come on. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I don't see how it's any different. I guess, I don't know, it probably sounds weird, but <clears throat> imagine... Imagine being a single individual bacteria, right? How small that is. Microscopic, right? We can't see it with the human eye. We have to have specialty equipment to be able to see an individual bacteria. What's that bacteria's world look like to it, right? How massive is it? What all is it able to see? Can it be here on this table and look up and see that this is a human being, this giant structure that's millions of times, if not billions of times larger than it? No. So what is it, you know, if we, if we were to make ourselves that, right, if we thought of ourselves as being that large in this universe, um, what else is out there that we can't even, our sensory systems can't even pick up because we are so minuscule compared to it in size? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the same idea of like, let's just think of the universe and mm-hmm. how insignificant our little lives are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like we're on a floating spaceship rocketing through space at like what 30,000 miles an hour or whatever mm-hmm. it is like this is crazy to think about because everybody thinks oh well like we're the center of our own universe like no, no not even <laughs> we're close. an insignificant speck yeah. in, the, in the massive a, a vast universe surrounded by 
who knows how many other universes. Well, and do you ever catch the fact that when a scientist talks about the universe, they don't just say, you know, in our universe, it's generally they refer to it as the known universe, right? Yeah. There are limits to our per- perception, to our abilities. Um, we can only see so far out <laughs> when we look. Yeah. So how much further does it go on beyond that? Who knows, right? Yeah, nobody knows. Nobody has a clue. So how fucking egotistical would I have to be to sit here and tell myself that I'm the center <laughs> of all that, right? Well, we should ask most children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, I do find it interesting the fact, you know, yes, by definition, psychedelics are drugs. No different than coffee or caffeine yeah. to be specific, right? They're all drugs by definition. They all have some kind of effect on us. What I find really fascinating is the fact that I guess what most people would refer to as the traditional, you know, quote unquote traditional psychedelics, the psilocybin from mushrooms, right? LSD, DMT or, or ayahuasca. Um, those have no physiological effect on the human body. They don't cause any kind of physical change whatsoever in the human body. They are purely mental mental effect or yeah. conscious effects only yeah. yeah on the brain you could get you know an elevated heart rate but that's not because of the drug that's because your brain's freaking out yeah you know saying that you're having a bad experience or something right so it's it's making you panic a little yeah and that's that happens i mean but the drug itself will not cause any kind of physiological effect meaning you you can't die from it you cannot overdose on it right um, I know I listened to, or what was it? They did a, a thing on Netflix. They had done a, a special, I can't remember what it was called, but they sat down and interviewed a bunch of celebrities who had done, you know, either LSD or psilocybin or mescaline or some kind of psychedelic. <clears throat> um, and I think it was Ben Stiller that said, yeah, I did LSD once. Probably didn't need to. Won't ever do it again, but I did it. And that's the one thing about the psychedelics is that, that, that they've shown in all the studies they've done is you either get a positive benefit from it or you don't get a benefit. What do you, it, what, it, what do you mean? Because like I've heard people talk about bad trips. Sure. Specifically but on there's, mushrooms there's on that no one. There's no negative lasting effect from that bad trip. Is oh, I see what you're saying. So it's either you get something good out of it or you get nothing at all, essentially. Is what you're left with after afterwards, um, you know. And one of the, I think it was Dennis McKenna. He's a, a he was a huge psychedelic researcher. Um, I think he started back in the '50s with all this shit when it first came out. And uh, he, I think he was the one that said it. He said, to, in his opinion, there are no bad trips. That right? makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, there could be good ones and there can be difficult ones i mean i've heard a bunch of people talk about but there's no bad trip a bad trip would connotate that there was some kind of negative effect, effect from it, it. yeah but I, I don't think it's about the negative effect i think it's more about the the experience that you're having and what you're seeing and what you're going through but mm-hmm. it's like i've heard a lot of people talk about with psychedelics it's like you're you're not going to see what you want to see you're going to see what you need to see and sometimes it's not pleasant right but that's what's that's what's going to help you grow that's, that's what the whole makes point it of it yeah it's like like the world's not all rainbows and unicorns. Like sometimes yeah. you got to deal with some hard shit to like move forward and be a healthy person. Like there's a bunch of people, especially who are dealing with some sort of trauma, whether it be like 
being abused when they were children or neglected or any kind of uh, post-traumatic stress, things they might have seen, uh, whether it be at war or maybe like police officers, EMTs, like those, like first responders, those kind of people, they see some mm-hmm. horrific fucking shit. Absolutely. Horrific shit. And it's like, sometimes you got to have to work through that to help you move on with your life. And it may not be a pleasant experience, <clears throat> but like you said, there's no lasting negative effects. Right. Hopefully it's going to help you grow and move forward, be a better person. Mm-hmm. Like I literally. Um, have, Even depression. Even oh, just oh, yeah. Helping somebody with just depression. Uh, that I, alone, I've, I think I've, is... I've got a friend who's struggling uh, with uh, depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've been trying to get them to look at some different kind of methods instead of just, you know, talking to their therapist and wanting to have them put them on all these drugs that are going to suppress their own feelings. And they're just going to be a gray person walking around with no feelings. Right. Like, you, you don't want to do that. No, and then they no. don't want to do that either, but they're, they're just struggling with how to deal with them. Like, well, maybe we need to look at some different ideas of how to do this. And I, I brought up the idea of like mushrooms or ayahuasca or whatever. And it was like, Nope, definitely not doing that. Fuck off. No, not happening. And it was like, I'll bet it'd be really beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Why not do it? Yeah. Uh, I, I know, I know uh, somebody specifically who's in the medical field and they worry about the whole schizophrenia thing. Cause you hear about that with marijuana sometimes mm-hmm. if, if they're, uh, what's, I want to say not postponed they're, if they're prone to, predisposed, to having, yeah. predisposed to having some sort of like psychiatric break. Like it can send some people that way. And I know somebody who's dealt with a family member who's had that happen. And I had a friend that and had they're, a schizophrenic. They're luckily break. good now. So they're, they're not having the issues now that they've kind of gotten off of drugs. And with granted, they were partying pretty hard with who knows what kind of drugs. Right. Not just plant medicines and all that kind of stuff. Or at least in my mind, like natural things that grow out of the ground. Yeah. Not just <laughs> not, not the, like the other manufactured right. shit that mostly sold that a lot of celebrities take and they don't think it's a, it's a problem. But <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, let's not get there. At the, at the moment, we'll get yeah, there later. That's a huge problem, is the, the pharmaceutical idea. But right? um, but seriously, though, with that, the schizophrenia or bipolar, like that is a real issue for some people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's something you could test to see if you're predisposed to that kind of thing or if you just go for it and hope for the best. I don't, well, I don't know. So I, I remember reading one time about a, a study that they concluded – that roughly 1% of all people who, who ever try marijuana will have some kind of schizophrenic episode. Granted, the majority of those, that episode only lasts for the duration of the high. Okay. And once they sober up, they're fine. You know, it's back to normal. Their brain's back to being able to differentiate between reality and, yeah. you know, an altered state. Um, whereas there are a few that, that, that schizophrenic break can be lasting. Um, I got a friend that to this day, he's on medication. He, he's fine now because he's on medication. As long as he's on but, his medication, yeah, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with psychedelics, though, I don't think that's the case. I've not heard of that being an issue. but No, I know, and I think it was Michael Pollan um, in the book, How to Change Your Mind. You know, he, he explains, like, he did a lot of research trying to find out. Because there were stories, you know, that you'd see in the newspaper. Oh, guy stares into the sun until he goes blind because he's on LSD. That's the one documented case. And that gentleman himself even explained that the only reason he did it was because there was a newspaper uh, a year or two prior to that that had published a bullshit story, a made-up story. Oh, shocker. About a guy that had gone outside on while on LSD and stared into the sun until he went blind. That's amazing, though. And this Corp- guy, this guy being... Corporate bullshit story. Right. This, <laughs> this gentleman, being the smart human being that he was, I guess decided to think to himself, huh, I wonder if that can really happen. 
Hmm. So he took some LSD and went out purposefully went outside. So he did it on purpose. And I, and I think that's one see. of the few documented cases of somebody <laughs> actually causing physical, well, you know, permanent physical harm to themselves. You know, you know what they say: stupid hurts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus, my eyesight's so precious to yeah. me. I couldn't imagine risking it. Like, oh, I, I wonder if this is true. Fuck off. Like, I don't feel like the. Like, from my experiences, I never once felt like the drug was while I was under the influence of it. Like it was making me want to do something yeah um <clears throat> i could definitely see though how somebody because <laughs> so lsd the the one time i did lsd the first time was i tried watching the movie avatar and made it about 10 minutes into the damn movie before i was freaking out <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the scene where the the marine guys getting chased by that giant panther thing yeah yep that, that's when i had to cut it off because <laughs> i was him okay like I, my mind, as far as my mind was concerned, that thing was chasing me <laughs> at that moment, even though I was sitting on my couch, curled up with a blanket pulled all the way up to my eyeballs. <laughs> um, yeah. Like any time that I've done psychedelics, I will tell you, I have absolutely felt feelings of fear and terror beyond anything I've ever experienced in really? real life. Oh yeah. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any of the the love and the acceptance and any of yep, that kind of stuff? Absolutely. So it's it's like a mix of emotions. For me, it's, all, it's everything. Yeah. For me, um, it's like one one of my buddies that I've done this with a couple of times. Like that's one of the things we'll do is as we're sobering up, we'll start talking about it, what we're experiencing and feeling, and kind of compare. Um, and for me, I notice it's it's kind of the the entire you know quote unquote trip is like a roller coaster ride. Right, the the drug or whatever starts to kick in and it's whoosh blast off, right? And you just keep going and going and going and going and going, and it's like you're never gonna hit that peak. And finally, I do, and then it it's like there's a moment where I would start to be like, oh yeah, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I feel like I'm starting to sober up a little bit. It's winding down. Next thing I know, all of a sudden, holy shit, I am fucked up. <laughs> but. Um, I remember explaining to him the one time I felt like for me, part of a, one of the biggest parts of the benefit and why I felt the joy was because I felt so much fear and terror, right? Um, I truly believe in the, in the saying, you know, you, you cannot experience true joy without true fear. Yes. You know, unless you know what one end of the spectrum is, you'll never fully understand what the other end well, is. Well, that's one right? of the main problems I have with like all these like medications, these uh, Western medications, about dealing with these kind of problems like depression, anxiety, stress, like all these kind of things. Like they want to numb you mm -hmm. from feeling those things. It's like no, 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 no. Without the lows, you don't appreciate the highs. Like exactly. if you're just stuck in the middle, like what kind of life and existence is that? I mean, that's bullshit i mean like like what are we even trying to do here this is ridiculous right if if i if a human being had never experienced the death of a loved one do you think that the birth of a loved one would be quite as joyful like how would they know you know just how joyful of an experience that was if they had never experienced death in their life yeah ever right if the only thing we ever experienced was the birth of our child but we never had to experience the death of our parent do we really know just how truly meaningful that birth is? 
if we don't really understand death, you know, kind of understanding both ends of the spectrum. Right? So for me, I, I hit that extreme fear, that extreme terror feeling to where my brain believes that my life is truly about to end possibly, possibly, you know, but then it's, you realize, oh shit, I survived that. <laughs> oh fuck. Oh man, I can do this. Holy shit. I am capable of these kinds of things. Right. That's when the joy, that's the, the feelings of joy that start to hit. Okay. You know, and then it's okay. I'm sobered up. And then I realize, oh shit, I'm fucked up. Oh, <laughs> what's going on again? You know, and there's I've, any, the thing is with the, those feelings of fear and terror, it's, it's never like, it's not that I feel that my life is actually in danger at that moment. I know that I'm in a safe environment that physically nothing bad is going to happen to me. I know that. It's just the the feeling going on in the brain, the experience in the mind, though, is just terror, 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 terror. Yeah. Like, there's just this overwhelming feeling of terror for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I just contribute it mainly to the fact that it's kind of the the conscious mind really realizing that something's different, right? Um, probably just the sensory overload, essentially. Okay. Um, that's one of the things that they have proven through um, fMRIs imaging scans of the human brain is our sensory we have basically the brain has a filter right you've got your five different sensory systems sight sound smell touch and taste right those send all the information into that filter that filter then picks which information which specific data from all that information is important to sustaining your life right? yeah. and keeping you safe. Cause that's what it's worried. And about. that's what it feeds you. Yeah. And it blocks out probably, you know, 50 to 75% of the other shit that it deems unnecessary. When you take psychedelics, it essentially wipes that filter out. The filter's gone. Anything that comes in through any of those sensory systems goes right into the brain and it's trying to process a hundred percent of that data. Not only that, but now that the filter's gone, those different sensory systems, some of them which don't normally communicate with each other, they are. And they can see this in the, the fMRI imaging. Um, they can see the, the neural connections just fucking explode and increase, basically. And now, all of a sudden, all the sensory systems are sending information to each other and communicating in ways that they don't normally do in a sober, conscious state. And I think that maybe you don't consciously realize that when you're tripping, but subconsciously the brain probably does. And that's why you, I get these feelings of terror or fear. Interesting. But again, that's not a, <laughs> that is not a medical professional of course not. opinion. I mean, that's is, just my personal. It's just a discussion thoughts. that we're having. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's mm-hmm. just us hanging out and bullshit. Like do not take this as medical advice. <laughs> yeah. So I did though, uh, just so people know, I've done psilocybin or magic mushrooms twice, LSD once. That is that is my experience with psychedelics um, over the past four years. I think the first time I I tried mushrooms was three, maybe four years ago. What made you want to try? Was the mushrooms the first thing you yes. did? Yep. What, what made you want to try mushrooms for the first time? Uh, I was, you know, it's funny you ask that because that is a question that I assumed would come up today, and I was trying to think of that this morning. Um, what is it that drove me to want to do it? And to be honest, I can't remember what initially like spurred me to kind of start researching it. Um, 
but I think it was probably a couple of videos or something I'd seen on YouTube, you know, the internet being the great echo chamber that it is. What's that? Cesspool is what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I watched a, I think it was a, a video of a guy documenting his marijuana grow up in Canada okay. when, once it was legal. So, of course, YouTube starts recommending all this shit to me, and I saw something, some shaman thing or whatever pop up, and I probably watched a few of those, and eventually I had heard about Michael Pollan and the book How to Change Your Mind. And that that is what absolutely convinced me that I wanted to... Did you read that book before you did Mushrooms? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I read that book. It was another year or two after. It was like in my naive mind, I'm thinking like you probably just tried them because it sounded fun, <laughs> like seeing some stuff online or whatever. Right. And then it really like, drove you into this. Like, this is interesting. I need to learn more about this. Then you would like find the book afterwards, yeah. which would lead you to maybe want to do it again. Yeah. For me, um, I don't know. I, we're all stupid creatures. So, of course. So to hear one human <laughs> being on, on a YouTube video say, this was an amazing thing and you should do it, and then to go out and try it, to me, is just absolutely idiotic. <laughs> but everybody does that with I know, like a food Everything. or soft drinks or these other poisons that we're putting in our bodies. You yeah. know, it's like, but they're not beneficial. Like, that's why it's like, I don't understand why there's such like this taboo feeling of these, again, these natural things that grow in the ground that our brains have receptors for. Like we're meant to have these things. Mm -hmm. Like we're supposed to do these things. Like I, again, why it's so poo-pooed, I I do not understand. Like there's been so many podcasts I've listened to where people say, yeah, mushrooms changed my life. Like they got me off of this bad path. They showed me what was really good for me, helped me leave all this toxicity and bullshit behind and move forward as a better human being. I'm like, that sounds like fucking an amazing experience. Like, I want to try that too. Like, I, I, I see yeah. that so much. Granted, like, I've, I've, I've got a guy who's got a guy who can get his hands on some mushrooms. And he's like, we should do these. I'm like, uh, it's not the right time for me right now. I've been struggling with, like, depression over the last handful of years. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And I know that I kind of talked about that in my uh, podcast with Ethan called My Depression. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I didn't want to do any kind of psychedelics in that state because I was afraid where my mind would go. But Mm -hmm. it's like now I feel like I'm happy enough and and, um, solid enough as, as a person that even if I had some sort of a bad trip, as they would say, if I saw some sort of negative things, yeah. I would hopefully take it in a positive light and not be shattered for a little while yeah. <laughs> trying to figure it all out. See, when I, I think, uh, yeah, uh, set and setting, that's, that is one thing. If you talk to any legitimate psychedelic researcher, they will tell you is the absolute fundamental set and setting set being your mindset yes. as the, as the person that is getting ready to go into the psychedelic experience experience. And then setting being the physical setting in which you are having the trip or the experience in that has a massive impact, right? If you are here at home doing it in a place that you know you are safe, you always feel safe in during the experience or the trip, you're still going to feel fairly safe. If you're in a completely unfamiliar environment, though, it's going to probably be a lot worse right that's yeah that different that unfamiliar environment alone is going to elicit strange thoughts during the trip which are then going to lead you down the, the dark rabbit hole yeah right where you're but, having the quote-unquote bad yeah but again as, as we've talked about it before it's it's not that it's it's meant to be like a bad thing or what have you it's just right it's maybe just some different things you have just to work through but, but again like for me it's been more important about the mindset 
mm-hmm. going in to know that, okay, I saw some negative dark shit and it was bad, but I can take this in a positive light because it just means that I need more work or whatever going now, forward to work on certain things. Maybe your mindset is the reason that you should be doing it, though. What do you mean? Well, so mindset, I would say, isn't so much about, um, you know, whether I'm in a, a good mood that day or a bad mood, whether I feel joyful or depressed before doing the trip. Mindset, to, when I think of mindset as far as psychedelics are concerned, to me, it's the mindset of why am I doing this trip, right? Um, you know, if I've been struggling with depression, for me, that's why I'm doing this because I've been struggling with this depression this is something that could possibly help with that. Yes. Right? To me, that's a good reason to do it. You have the, the proper mindset. You are going into this with the mindset of, I have been depressed. My goal is to try and utilize this substance to help me overcome that depression. That's the proper mindset. Well, the, the, I mean, It doesn't matter if you're depressed or happy, right? I could go into it joyful and be, yes. okay, my mindset needs to be, I am doing you need to do it for a reason. Have intent. That that's the big one right there. The intent. Yes. That's that's the big thing that I. So didn't... I think you could replace mindset with the word intent. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's the big thing that I learned from listening to these ayahuasca podcasts. Whereas you have to set the intent because if not, like your brain's going to just go crazy in all these different possibilities. Because you said yeah. the filter's gone. Yeah. So there's so many inputs. So if you don't focus on what it is that you want to accomplish, mm-hmm. then you, you're, you're never going to get there. So I, I think that like exactly what you said, the intent is probably way more important than any kind of happy or negative or whatever mindset you can have going into it. I, I think you're absolutely yeah. right. That is the better mm-hmm. word, the intent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the first time, psilocybin was the first thing i did the mushrooms and the first time i did that i had a little bit of intent um i will absolutely say that i did not have the correct intent though you know my at that point in time i had i had read the book how to change your mind i you know listened to dennis mckenna um terrence mckenna his brother uh paul stamens um you know people like this that have been around and doing this research since the 50s and 60s and a lot of them were actual legitimate doctors that when the government stepped in and made these things illegal drugs had to go underground to continue their research because it became illegal Um, now all of a sudden those are the same people that you know big medical organizations universities and the government are seeking out because they finally realized that, oh, there are benefits to this. And shit, we shut it down. We don't really have anybody with the experience to get it going again. Well, we need to go find these doctors that are still around from the 50s that actually know and you know started this shit yeah. and understand how it really works. And good on them for doing the right thing <laughs> yeah. and saying fuck you to Big Pharma and doing what needed to be done. So mm-hmm. good on them. But, yeah, so I went into it again. I had been... I read the book. I'd been doing a bunch of my own research. Oh, I think I had also, uh, I'd heard about um, this binaural stimulation where they can utilize very specific uh, frequencies and sound waves to elicit certain types of experiences within the brain. So there's like an app that I've got on my phone. I I don't know how legitimate this shit actually is. It does. I mean, I've done it myself and you can definitely feel something. Um, 
So yeah, for me, my first experience was like an experiment, unfortunately, on myself. <laughs> I think that <laughs> which would be probably a, again was not the correct. But I think that would be standard for a lot of different people who don't understand the maybe the power and the benefits of of those kind of like you know plant medicines, drugs, whatever, whatever it is you want to call them. Right. But I think that can lead people down a better path mm-hmm. of like okay. This is really powerful. This can be really beneficial. I need to set a better intent. I need to go into this like wanting to achieve more and then work on it afterwards because I, I know that's the, the big thing about the, uh, the ayahuasca is that it, it's, it's surrounded around a whole ceremony. Yes. So there's like a six hour period where you're loaded up on the DMT drug. I mean, it's, it's affecting your brain and you're tripping balls, mm-hmm. you know, so there's that part of it. But a lot of people have said that I've listened to, at least that I've listened to podcasts on is like the most powerful part of it is the morning after when it's completely out of your system and you're not high anymore. And you're talking about yeah, the, the reintegration period. You're talking about the things yep. that you've seen and what was going on. And, and I, I, I love the fact that it's, it's based around other people. So it's like a shared experience mm-hmm. where you can affect other people's, you know, experiences as well. And, and it's like, okay, no, it's like, I had this happen. Oh, well, I, I was doing this and this is what was going on in my, you know, journey and whatever. And it's, and they talk about that being way more beneficial than just the things they saw right. while they were on, you know, you know, the, the ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. I believe it was, um, Dakota Meyer I was listening to. Uh, the, the Marine Medal of Honor recipient. Um, and he was explaining how he did it. What he did was they put him through Ibogaine. Yeah. They put him through an Ibogaine ceremony. And then I think he said the very next morning they put him through an ayahuasca ceremony. Okay. And he goes, I believe he said when he finished the Ibogaine, he was pissed. He was like, what the fuck? That was horrible. What the hell did I do that for? Like that was insane. And then they did the ayahuasca, and he said that kind of helped to make sense of Put things in perspective, the experience maybe? of the ibogaine. And then afterwards, the reintegration the next day, once all the psychedelic, you know, experience is over, and the sitting down and the, the thinking about what it is that you experienced, right, and trying to make sense of it—that's what really matters. Yes. Because right? if you don't do that, you're just going to tell yourself, whoa, that was just a fucking crazy experience, yeah. right? It's, what does this mean? What's the purpose? Exactly. Um, you got to take the time to sit down and contemplate your own thoughts and experiences that you had during, while under the influence of that drug, um, and to make sense of them. But you, I think you could absolutely find meaning in everything that you experience if you take the time to look at it. Yes. The, to me, I, I, I don't know. I believe that the, the biggest turnoff for people is the fact that these drugs will absolutely bring back any anything that you're storing and lying to yourself about or trying to hide from yourself that's in your mind. Yeah, you're going to get confronted with that shit. You're going to it's you're basically going to have to stand in front of that mirror and tell yourself that hey, I've been lying to myself about this, right? I lie about that. I am not the great person I think I am. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm this you know this this fallible human is what i really am but dare i say isn't that the point of any kind of therapy in dealing with the past trauma that you've maybe suppressed and pushed down and didn't want to deal with at the time like i i know that i know a bunch of people go through therapy and that basically the therapists are always like okay well you're doing this and this is the problem you're having now but 
what caused that? What's the issue? What's mm-hmm. what's what's the trauma that you've gone through? Most people being childhood trauma. Yeah. And it's like, okay, let's go back to that and let's unpack that so you can find out what's causing the problems now and how we can fix it and move forward. So it's like the fact that people don't understand that, I guess, is crazy to me, but I guess they're probably not nerds like we are and look into these kind of <laughs> right. things and try to understand it as well. Because I've looked into therapy for years. I think it's fascinating. I, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, shit, maybe I should have been a psychologist. Like, I, I love yeah. sitting down and talking with people and trying to help them work through problems and asking questions. I, I really enjoy that part of it. It's one of the reasons why I love coaching so much. You know, my, my old weightlifting coach, Dan Bell, like, we talk about this all the time. It's like, when you when you're coaching, especially like uh, like uh, late teenagers, like kids in their early twenties, you know, it's like you're about ten percent an actual coach and about ninety percent therapist. Like that's your job. Your job is to keep them focused, to help them get out of their own heads, and to help them grow as people. But while also obviously having some sort of like technical thing to mm-hmm. coach them, to teach them through or whatever. This is, but it's just interesting because like that kind of stuff to me is is fascinating and fun and interesting. So the fact that most people don't want to hear about it, I guess shouldn't surprise me yeah. because they're hiding from that trauma for a reason because it's not pleasant to go through no. to try to figure out how to move forward with accepting that. Yeah, there's a uh, an organization called Maps. Uh, I believe they're out in Arizona and New Mexico. They were founded back in the early '80s. Actually, it might have been '83 when I was born. Um, the, the founder and basically the guy that runs that organization was on everybody's favorite podcast. I don't know, six months, 12 months ago or whatever. I listened to it and he was explaining how at that time they had been doing a lot of research with MDMA, right? Other also known as ecstasy, right? Yeah. Ecstasy. Yeah. Um, and what they were doing was they were they had kind of created a a therapeutic program based around the MDMA. They were inviting psychologists to come in, not only learn about the program, but actually go, go through one of the drug experiences themselves. So that way they understood exact. So the psychologist could understand exactly how the drug would affect the the patient, right? How it affects them mentally. And um, they go on to explain how, you know, any of the psychologists that have done this, including all the ones that work at MAPS, will tell you that neither the drug nor the therapy alone helps the patient, right? It is a combination of the two together. You have to have both for it to work. The drug is what is simply what allows the patient to be able to reapproach that experience without the overwhelming fear, without the brain throwing up the blockades that it normally does anytime those thoughts are elicited yeah um so because the drug allows them to actually go back and mentally re-experience that and process it again then the therapist is able to walk them through that process of actually you know working out everything in their head um without the drug the patient's mind can't even get close enough to process that information again, right? There's all kinds of mental blocks. You know, you hear about repressed memories and stuff that children have from trauma. They don't remember the trauma until they're an adult. Yes. That kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And he gave a perfect example. He said there were two different women that had called in about three months apart, I believe, that had, that had both had had 
similar experiences with MDMA, but different. He said, so woman number one, um, she had gone to a concert with friends and was given it at, given the drug, you know, as ecstasy, the party drug. Um, she took it and within 30 to 45 minutes, all the childhood trauma that she had experienced come right back up to the surface. She said, what happened though, was all of her friends that she was with just kept pushing her to, Oh, just keep partying. You'll have fun, blah, blah, blah. And she said, eventually she ran off and hid and it was a horrible experience, right? All she did the rest of the night was relive that childhood trauma because she didn't have anybody to help her process through it. Okay. Woman two calls in three months later. And again, very similar story. She was at a concert with friends and they had given her MDMA. You know, they told her, Hey, this is ecstasy. It'll make you feel good. Have fun, blah, blah, blah. So she took it. And same thing within 30, 45 minutes, all this childhood trauma come rushing back. How she was, you know, abused as a kid and all this stuff. And she ran off and hid from them. She said one of her girlfriends came and found her, grabbed a drink, sat down right next to her and said, let's talk. And they spent the next hour or so just talking about it, about what had happened to her and the experiences she had had as a child. And she said after that, it was like she was cured. Like it, for her, it was extremely beneficial. That yeah. After they talked, she had a fucking phenomenal night, right? So it's, it's not the drug nor the therapy themselves that does the trick. It's the combination of the two. The drug simply allows us to reaccess this, these horrible experiences and kind of process through them. The therapy or the therapist is what helps guide that processing in the correct direction. Yes. Yeah. Um, he said he went on to explain how they even got lucky enough to come across a licensed therapist or psychologist. I can't remember which one that is also a captain in his police department in his area. And they were going to bring him in and he was going to go through the experience in an effort to be able to better help, you know, law enforcement, EMTs, firefighters, veterans that have, you know, PTSD or other psychological issues. Yes. And uh, to be able to do it utilizing the drug, whether it's MDMA or psilocybin. I mean, I've heard, you know, they've had great benefits with all the psychedelics. Yes. I think, I think now I think a they, lot of them could be beneficial mm-hmm. depending on how they're used and what setting and all that kind of good stuff. You know, so yeah, I think they've they have found that certain ones they do tend to see better results. Um, like I've heard Ibogaine um, a lot as one of the the best um, cures for methamphetamine addiction addiction. Okay. Um, uh, I can't remember what they said the, the exact success rate was, but they had an extremely high success rate of taking these methamphetamine addicts. And after just one single Ibogaine experience, um, their addiction was gone. They never went back to it again. Again, part of me says, well, that's, that's because of, it is such an extremely fearful experience. Right? Yeah. It, it is. If you didn't have those extremes, you would not have the kind of benefits that you do. I don't think you would. Anyways. It's, uh, yeah. It's really tough to sit and explain it. Of course. <laughs> Especially if you're somebody that hasn't experienced it, you know. Um, I just, I always go back to the fact that of all the studies they've done, Nobody has ever had a negative effect from it. It's either you have a positive effect that lasts 
afterwards. Or you just you didn't really get anything from it. Yeah, you just kind of just sure the experience may life. not have been yeah. great, and so therefore you just didn't get yeah, anything. Yeah, you just kind of go on ho hum with your life. Yeah. Whereas you know any there any pharmaceutical, aspirin, right, Tylenol. I take too much of that shit. I'm definitely going to have lasting negative effects. Yeah. To me, and it could kill you mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. Uh, LD fifty lethal dose fifty. So that is a, a I guess it's a medical or technical term, whatever you want to call it for um, how they, not really how they set dosages. Basically what it means is that 50% of people that took this amount, it would be fatal. And apparently from what I've read, the LD 50 is generally six times whatever the standard dose is. So if the standard dose of Tylenol is two Tylenol pills, if I took 12, 50% of people that took 12 of them would die. Holy shit. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's, from what I understand, that's kind of across the board with pharmaceuticals as far as LD50. It's usually only six times what the normal dosage would be. That's crazy to think of. Yeah. So, again, if, if a Tylenol, if a normal dose is one pill and you take six, 50% of people that did that would die. Holy shit. Why is, I could it, give, why is this on the shelf? I could give 100% of people this mushroom or this LSD or this ayahuasca, and 100% of them are going to live, no matter how much I give them. Yeah. Right? Um, 1% of the people I give marijuana to, they might have a schizophrenic episode, but 100% of them are still going to live, no matter how much they take. <laughs> yeah. Right? What's the, the theoretical, again, purely theoretical lethal dose of marijuana i think is like twelve thousand pounds consumed in less than than uh two hours or something like that yeah i mean it's physically impossible right that's why it's purely theoretical yeah (laughs) um yeah it's it's crazy we i feel again we're one of only two countries in the world that allows pharmaceuticals to market to the general public the other country being new zealand and if you look at the regulations within those two countries, New Zealand's regulations on what they are allowed to market and how they're allowed to do it are extremely more stringent than they are in the U.S. And there's this idea that we can just cure everything with a pharmaceutical when uh, yeah, I, but I'd that- be willing to bet 95% of them do nothing to actually help the cause of the problem. Well, the real issue they're, is they're purely there to mask the symptoms of the issue that you have of the problem. Yeah, again, it's, it's not fixing the problem; right. it's masking the symptoms. Exactly. But like the, the real problem is, it's like who who got that narrative out there? Oh, the pharmaceutical yeah. companies, the ones who are making money on all this shit, right? Billions, yeah, billions on it. So, in Michael Pollan's book, "This Is Your Plant" or "This Is Your Mind on Plants." Um. In the the chapter where he talks about opium, um, because he he explains the the poppy plant, right? Poppy flowers. That's where they get opium from. Your your um, what is Percocet, Vicodin? Those are all opioids. Opiates, yeah, yeah. That's where the opium comes from. Is that plant? Um, in there he explains how one back in like the early 1900s, you could it was easier to find and buy legally opium extracts tinctures in the u.s than it was to find and buy a gallon of milk and it's 100 percent legal um opium plants have been used for thousands of years as medicine by humans now sure the the number one 
chemical substance in that plant is the opium. But within that plant, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of other alkaloids and, and chemicals in there, right? He, he explains how he himself grew poppy plants, took those poppy plants, turned them into poppy tea or opium tea, and drank that opium tea. And when he drank it, he goes, one, the taste alone turns you off. It's very bitter, sour tasting. He goes, two, I don't see how anybody could overdose, have an opium overdose from drinking opium tea. Because of the fact that there's all these other alkaloids in there, they yes. will cause the body to physically reject it exactly. before they can ingest enough oh, to do harm. That's amazing. You mean that Mother right? Nature has an idea of how to keep you safe, and when but, you when you fuck with all that, it ruins things? Oh, it's right. amazing. Yeah, so now the pharmaceutical <laughs> company steps in and goes, opium. That's what the people want. That's why they're getting benefits from this plant. So we should be able to just simply extract that one specific chemical and put it into a pure and concentrated form, and now we're going to sell it as a drug. That's what will fucking kill you. Yes. Taking that one simple ingredient and putting it into a purified, concentrated form and eating just that one alone, right? That's what kills people. Not using the plant as a whole and taking in all the other alkaloids and chemicals that will counteract the, the potentially negative physical effects exactly. of Exactly. Right. Which, which again is it, what just boils me back down to. It's like, my, like Mother Nature has an idea of like what's good for us and what works for us. And we need mm-hmm. to stop fucking with it and get back to those natural, normal things. Right. I'd be curious. I think it'd be really interesting to know of all the pharmaceutical drugs available in North America today, what percent of those drugs are derived from a plant or an animal? I would say high 90s. I, I mean, I would think so, right? Which tells me that, well, I don't need to take your stupid pharmaceutical that has a very high chance of negatively affecting me if I can just simply find, right, if I can simply find that plant or the animal that it was derived from, I can still get that chemical, plus I can get the other ones that that plant probably created to prevent negative effects. 100%. And then whatever else is out there is just synthetic man-made shit that, yeah which is kind of <laughs> yeah, which is i'm sure not horrible for you at all like yeah. all this like lab-grown meat and all the stuff that people keep talking about oh, I'm Jesus. Like, like do you want to cause cancer like are you trying to grow people like second heads like what are we doing here it's like yeah. we've got animals like just use the animals like what's the problem that's why we have animals the new government food chart no oh they recommend that you consume frosted mini wheats i think three or four times the amount of frosted mini wheats as you do steak Really? Oh yeah. It's not, but it's not even food. No, it's it's garbage. Like you should be eating steak like all the time. Yeah, I, well, I, I mean, you should be eating meat. To me, just in the, the even like just in the last is- week, it feels like if I watch TV, that there's this massive push to get away from meat. Stop eating meat. I just heard the other day about how the the Gates Foundation is now investing millions into research on how to get rid of cattle. Basically, I'm because tell- cattle's, you know, I'm telling cow you, farts are, are what's warming the entire globe. Yeah, no, it's not. But it's, it's just, <laughs> right. it's so ridiculous because, like, I, I still hold firm to this. Like, I really believe that vegans just hate cows and they want, <laughs> and they want to murder all the cows because the reason we have cows is to eat them because they're fucking delicious. Yes. It's some of the most nutrient dense food on the planet. There it's is like, no more nutrient dense food than meat. 
than animal meat. Yeah. Not for humans anyways. And which is funny because just yesterday I heard somebody kind of trying to give dietary advice and about how they should be eating way more fruits and vegetables and the meat's what's going to cause you to have a heart attack by the time you turn 50. Um, Tell that to Sean Baker. <laughs> well, I, I, so I, I did a, a little Google search because I know that me, I've explained to people how I felt that, you know, the reason they promote fruits and vegetables is due to antioxidants, anti-oxidizing agents. Right. Why do I need anti-oxidizing agents if I'm not consuming a bunch of oxidizing agents? And I knew that I got the my wording incorrect, and I knew I wasn't completely right on this, but I kept telling, I guess, myself and others, hey, I, I believe that the, the majority of, of our oxidizing agents come from the plants. Um, doing a little research, that's not necessarily the case. You don't get oxidizing agents from the plants you do get it from meat sure um the thing is in plant and fruits and vegetables aren't necessarily bad right they do contain vitamins and minerals they do not contain those vitamins and minerals either in the same form that meat does or in the same amounts that meat has it uh, most of the vitamins and minerals i found this huge article i just finished reading it this morning i started it yesterday and this guy was explaining how the vast majority of the vitamins and minerals found in plants, they're either in a form that is not nearly as bioavailable to us. Yeah, bioavailable is a huge part of that right there. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, there's tons of protein in broccoli. Like, yeah, but your body doesn't know what the fuck to do with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think broccoli is like 5% bioavailability. So I can eat a pound of broccoli that has 20 grams of protein, right? And of that 20 grams of protein, my body is going to be able to use one. One gram. Or I can eat, let's see, with beef or steak, it would be about three ounces would be 21 grams or closer to 22 grams of protein. And my body's going to be able to use 20 of that, 22 grams. And it's I'm only eating three ounces versus 16 yeah. ounces. Right? Um, what I didn't know was a, a lot of these fruits and vegetables contain what they call anti-nutrients. Say what now? Anti-nutrients. Okay. That what they do is they, they prevent the body from being able to absorb certain micronutrients. Um, he, you know, he explains how animals have defense. They can run away from us or they can fight us if we try to kill them and eat them. The only defense that plants have is chemical warfare. Yes, toxins. Right, toxins. Yeah. yeah. And it's not necessarily that they have poisonous toxins, but they do have, you know, the anti-nutrients that will prevent an animal from being able to absorb the vitamins that it needs. Eventually, the animal will then realize that I'm not getting the nutri nutrition I need because I'm eating this certain plant, and it will stop eating it. There's very few plants that want us to eat them. Sweet fruits, that's about it. Sweet fruits are the only plant that purposefully grows to attract animals Interesting. to eat it, right? Because it needs you to eat that, so then you can go shit its seeds out somewhere else and spread its population. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, there are several ones that contain arsenic, ricin. I mean, those are two of the most powerful poisons we know of, and they're contained within a lot of the plants that we eat. Yeah, it's just, it's it's... 
it's so fascinating because I was starting to do a lot more research about a lot of these mm-hmm. kind of things and the facts that plants do actually talk to each other. Oh, you yeah. know, so the, the idea that these vegans are saving all these lives and don't want to kill anything like, well, you're killing all these plants. And not to mention you're you're killing the environment with all this like you know monocrop you know factory farming and yeah all if that you kind think of stuff, that so. your your hundred percent whole grain wheat burger wannabe patty didn't kill any animals you're a fucking moron yeah, you, you massacred well, it's, it's, you just massacred thousands of rabbits mice it's, and it's, small animals it's, it's, not, to it's, not that they, it's not that they're a moron they're they're just naive because yeah. they, they don't want to look yeah. into the truth yeah that's the real issue yeah. it's like. Get off your fucking high horse. Look at it in a real situation. If that's why how you choose to live, light it up. Do your thing. I got no problem with that. But just don't don't shit on me for wanting to eat more steak. Like you, you, I love steak. Like let me eat steak. I I cannot survive off of off of a vegan diet unless I am supplementing with man made synthetic vitamins. Oh yeah, because there's a nutritional gap. How is that good for anybody? It's not. It, yeah. It's not. I mean, if, if they choose to do that, that's on them. I get it. You oh, do sure. You. No yep. problem. You have the right to do whatever the fuck you want to. I don't care. But don't tell me what I should or shouldn't do. Yeah. And certainly don't tell these kids growing up that frosted mini wheats are a good option. Right. Like, what should they have for breakfast? Fucking eggs and bacon. That's the problem. Opinion. Good or bad. The fact that we want to group things into two categories, one of two categories, good or bad, right? And, oh, well, hey, the frosted mini they got vitamin A. Vitamin A is good. It goes in the good category, right? Nobody takes the time to look at all the negative shit, though, that could come from it. Yeah. Right? What else does it contain that's <laughs> not good? Um, instead of trying to split your food up or looking at your food products as, oh, this is bad for me, so I shouldn't eat it. And, well, this doesn't fall in the bad court category, so it must be good. Look at it as in terms of benefit versus detriment. Or just pure purely in terms of benefit, nutritional benefit, right? I got a salad, I got a steak, I got mashed potatoes. Well, what's the nutritional benefit of the salad? Sure, it those greens may contain high levels of certain vitamins, but the bioavailability isn't there. So I'm only getting a very small percentage of the actual nutrients that are within that salad. Steak. That steak alone already has more total nutrients than that salad does. And those nutrients are a lot more bioavailable to me, right? Than the mashed potatoes. Well, that doesn't that has very little vitamins and stuff in it. God damn, they're delicious. So, which one <laughs> of these three options is going to provide me the most nutrition benefit? Well, a thousand percent the steak, but you mix it all together, you got a glorious meal going on there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like in, in my opinion, like I know people like to eat salads, and it's like. I see salad as a great warm up to a good steak. <laughs> hey, I, I am not. That's how I look at salads. And I'm I'm not against fruits and vegetables. Eat them. Go for it. Absolutely, they're not bad for you. But do not sit here and try to promote them as being better and more beneficial for me than animal products because yeah. they're not. Hands down, they are not. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. All right, there's our nutrition rant for the day. We knew, yeah. we, knew we were going to get there. <laughs> Let's get back in ayahuasca mm-hmm. here. All right, so uh, some homework for you listeners. I want you to specifically go out and listen to uh, three different podcasts. I wrote them down here so I wouldn't fuck them up. Uh, two of them are on the Endless Endeavor podcast by Mr. Tyler Stanaway, where he uh, 
chronicled, I guess, uh, his first two, well, I guess technically his first three experiences with ayahuasca, and that is episode 105 of the Endless Endeavor podcast, and also episode 112 of the Endless Endeavor podcast, and and those those ones I think were really beneficial for me because he did such a good job explaining the things that he saw and what was going mm-hmm. on, and he's he's he, he did a very good job of allowing you like to really get insight to his experience. And it wasn't just like, Oh yeah, I did it. And it was great. And this is what I learned. Like, no, he like, he really went into detail and it was yeah. really, really, really good. And then when we were talking about doing, cause I listened to those two podcasts and I came into the shop all excited about it. And we were talking about things and like Steve, Steve, uh, at the shop was like, dude, you need to listen to, uh, the Sean Ryan show episode 34 with Cody Alford. And he had this crazy story of all the trauma and stuff that he saw as a Marine Raider in war and all that kind of stuff. And then how it left him really, really fucked up. Mm-hmm. And he was having a hard time doing anything. And he was on a bunch of different drugs and medications and everything else. And and just wasn't getting better and wasn't happy with the way things were going. And ended up uh, trying some psychedelics. And that those are what got him through and got him back to kind of feeling like uh, himself again, which was really, really interesting. Yeah. So, like, uh, go out and listen to those three episodes. If you only listen to one or two, check out the Endless Endeavor ones with Tyler Stanaway. They were absolutely fascinating. And I know one of the things that I really loved about Tyler's description of his his first experience specifically is that he went in with the intent of, show me who I've become. Uh, what is it, like, There were, there were there were two other things. Oh God, I forget what they were. Um, but the, when he was telling the shaman like what his intentions were, because you have to tell the whole group. Because mm-hmm. again, it's it's a communal experience. It's a group yeah, experience. Absolutely. Because it's again this big ceremony, and it was it was funny because the shaman was like, "You're not going to get to two and three. <laughs> it was like number one's way too profound. Like you you're not going to have time to get there. You know." And he's like, "Well, I don't want to do number one then." He was like, "Well, then how are you going to do two and three? Like how are you going to do these other two things?" Yeah if you don't know who you are in the first place. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit, I guess I'll do number one. And he, and he had talked about how he just, he didn't have much of an experience the first time. He's like, I thought I was going to be shot to the moon. I was going to see all these kind of crazy things. And the biggest thing I kept saying was like, like to mother, I am like, Hey, take me to where these other people are. I can hear them. Mm-hmm. Like, cause we're all in the same room together. We're, we're going through this together. I can hear them going through these crazy experiences. Like take me to where they are. Take me to where you have them. And Mother I was like, nope, not happening. Like, you're impregnable. Not happening. <laughs> can't do it. And it was interesting because he was in integration the next morning talking about how he didn't really have much of an experience and didn't really see anything. And, uh, like, the shaman kind of came over, I guess, and was like, well, what was your thing again? Like, what was your intention? Like, oh, show me who I've become. Oh, yeah, well, that's probably too profound for you to pick up. So mm-hmm. Mother Aya is going to have to bypass your conscious mind and go into your, sub- your subconscious mind. And you're going to have an experience of a, re- relating the experience that you did have over the next couple of weeks or months. Mm-hmm. He's like, say what now? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he started to have, like, this data dump where he had talked – because he did this podcast – Episode 105, I think, like a week after he had his experience. Mm. And he's like, I'm still getting stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm still seeing things or experiencing things that I had seen that I didn't realize that I saw because Mother I was like, hey, this might be a little bit too much for you right now. So we need to kind of calm things yeah. down a little bit. So well, it's like, holy shit. Like, 
that that's just it's it's so crazy to to think about it like that but it's like the 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 power that that it had on his life he's like i realized cuz he he had went through some really uh traumatic things in his younger life and he thought that he had dealt with those and he was okay and mother aya kind of showed him that no you're not okay you need to work on these things because you basically took all of your feelings and turn the dimmer switch all the way down. Mm-hmm. They're not gone, but they're just not on anymore. Yeah. You need to turn those back on so you can learn how to feel because you've become such a, dare I say, an impregnable prick mm-hmm. <laughs> that you don't have any feelings and you don't recognize the feelings of others yeah. that you're having a very tough life because you're not seeing things through other people's eyes. I feel like that was the number one benefit I got after doing mushrooms the first it time. It seems to be was very normal. Empathy. Yes. Absolutely. That, that seems to be a common trait. For months. I'd say at least six months afterwards. Um, I remember just, it was almost like a daily thing. Like, the end of every day, I would just have this realization. Like, holy shit. You, you felt emotions and feelings that you haven't felt since you were a kid. Yeah. Right. Um, Since you and, were young and, and innocent. I, and not that I thought of myself as, as, as an asshole or like, I just, I, I was definitely at a point in my life where I was recognizing that I did not have the same emotional response as the majority of people around me to whatever the experience was. Right. Um, you know, this, this was my happy face. <laughs> Looked the same, whether I was happy, mad, yeah. joyful, upset, hurt, you know, it, it, so definitely going into that, that was something that I did want to get out of it. I wanted to feel like I actually had empathy. Yes. Not that I couldn't experience emotions, but I wanted to actually be able to understand somebody else's emotions that they were experiencing at that time. Right. Um, because I did. I felt like I, I wasn't a very empathetic person. And in my mind, sure, I would know, like, oh, yeah, this person's sad, right? But I didn't feel that same feeling of sadness. And I guess that made it difficult to relate to others. Yes. Um, so I definitely noticed immediately afterwards, like the next day, I was just happier about everything. I was happier about things. I was sadder about things that made people sad. You know, I was more joyful about things that made people joyful, and it was incredible. Um, and I think I even remember saying to a couple different people, like, like I haven't felt emotions like this since, you know, my, I think my grandfather dying was the last time I could remember crying. And that was 2007. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And I, I do remember coming out of it as I was sobering up from that, talking with my little brother. And kind of explaining to him that, no, I don't feel like I got any answers necessarily from this experience. What I do feel that I took away from it is that I know now that there is a place I can go to, to seek out answers in the future. Right. It wasn't, there wasn't any specific question that I had going into that experience that I got answered necessarily. But what it did do was it opened my eyes and made me realize, though, that those answers could be found if I really wanted to, right? There is a place that I could go to to truly find those answers if I really felt it necessary. 
Because I know that's, again, that empathy, that the feeling, those kind of things are a thing that keeps coming up over and over and over again with people who have taken psychedelics, have had mm-hmm. experiences. And I, I know Joe Hogan talks about this all the time. He's well, like, let me let me state real quick. Like, I didn't do any of these. I I do not consider myself somebody that's had horrible trauma in their past. So for me, going into these, it was not in an effort to try and cure some kind of trauma that I was struggling with. Uh, for me, it was just trying to make myself better. Exactly. A better person. But I think that's the whole idea of these journeys: is you want to become a better person. Yeah. You know, that, that's the whole bet. Like, let's become the best versions of ourselves. And again, that's what I think. Like Joe Hogan talks about all the time that I really support. He's like anybody in politics or any kind of position of power should be forced to take some sort of psychedelic to realize that hey. Uh, your ego isn't the end all be all of the things like you need to yeah. expand your horizons of the world. See, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said ego, right? Um, let me just see what Google says. The definition of ego is because my definition of it might be completely different. Um, but I've always thought of ego is the story that our brain creates about who we are, right? That's what we tell everybody else, right? I'm I'm a doctor, and I'm this, and I'm that. I'm I'm not this, or I am this, right? Um, and the one thing that psychedelics absolutely do is they will shatter that fucking ego, which I think is a good thing. Yes, because ego absolutely. is not a good thing. No, ego is something that you build over time, right? A child is not born with an ego. No, but as they go through life and have different experiences different accomplishments, different failures, that ego builds. That story builds and builds and builds. And it becomes more, and the longer it goes, the more concrete and those beliefs and ideas become, even in your conscious and subconscious mind. Although they may not be necessarily true, right? Of course. That single idea. Usually that, built on lies. That one belief you have, that could have been based purely on one single little event that you experienced at the age of seven, right? And you just completely, you interpreted it completely the wrong way. Yet here you are 50 years old and you have this concrete belief that no, this is the way it is. And the psychedelics will absolutely just shatter that. It's almost like a, I think, you know, Rogan said, hitting the control alt delete button on a computer is essentially what doing psych- psychedelics do to your brain. Yes. It, it's almost like a, a, a reset of sorts, right? Um, it breaks down that ego and it allows your subconscious mind to go, Oh no, that, that, okay. That belief wasn't necessarily true. Right. Or, well, maybe I'm not exactly this type of person. I'm, I'm this type of person type thing. And you you almost get a fresh perspective at the world when you come out of it. Then, um, I guess in a way it was kind of, like getting to start over. Okay. You know, it was like taking that ego and getting to start back at day one with it. Okay. I've realized now at this point that the story about my life and who I am that I've written wasn't necessarily correct. Right. The psychedelics are that opportunity to rewrite that story of who I am, of what I am in my mind. I mean, obviously they're not going to change your past actions or anything that you've done. But it can break those down and bring you to that realization that 
holy shit, I haven't had that kind of joyful experience since I was a kid. <laughs> or, holy shit, that that level of this feeling or emotion, that that extreme level does actually exist, right? Up to this point, I thought my my joy meter could only go this high. Now I realize it can go twice as high as that, yeah. right? Granted, you know, the opposite side of the spectrum is up until this point, I thought my fear meter could only go this low. Now I realize it can go twice as low as yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But because I realized that other end of the spectrum is so far out, I know that the joy end of the spectrum is also that far the opposite direction. Yeah. Right? Um, ego. A person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Um, the psychoanalysis definition, the part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious and is res- responsible for reality testing and a sense of personal identity. So again, our ego is basically what we tell ourselves we are. Yes. What we tell that, ourselves, that's the thing, right? It's, your, it's, <laughs> it's based on your perception. Exactly. It's not based on reality. Not based on your action yeah. and what you actually do and perform. It's just simply based on the story that we tell ourselves, well, that's right? The, that's the one thing that drives me nuts. Because you, you would even mention this before. We're talking about egos. Oh, I'm a doctor. I'm this. It's like... You are not what you do for a living. No, you're like, a human. That's just, just a like job me. that you have. That's yeah. why it's like the idea of like someone. It's like, oh well, who are you? Oh, I'm a doctor. I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a lawyer. I'm blah blah blah. Like, no, you're a fucking person. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, do- you take ninety nine percent of the things that people claim today to be, and ninety nine percent of those didn't even exist just a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. Why? Well, because as humans, we didn't have the the time and the ability, yeah, the luxury to yeah, and the luxury. To stop focusing on hunting and gathering and surviving yeah, and, and be able to focus on <laughs> learning this very specific skill. We didn't used to be able to do that. So, no, you're not a, a doctor's not what you are. A doctor may be your profession, yeah, right? That may be your specialty. Yeah. Sure. It's what you do for a source of income, but it's not you. Yeah. Because like, I've, I've never like explained myself as like what I do for a living. Like To me, it's like I have a job because, you know what, um, I like living indoors and eating food. Like, but like my job doesn't define me. It's just a job. I did up until a point in my life when I did mushrooms. Okay. You know, I, I used to, oh, I'm Dennis. I'm the whatever. Right. And usually that whatever was whatever my job title was at that point in time. I don't do that shit anymore because <laughs> that's not who I am. That may be what I do. Yes. It may even be something that I'm very passionate about doing. Sure. Well, hopefully if you're doing it for a living. Uh, yeah. I don't think too many people these days are very passionate about their jobs. No, no but- <laughs> they're not. I understand that. But I think that's one of the reasons why society is so doomed and we're having all the problems that we're having. I think if people were chasing their purpose, like life would be a lot better for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. The real issue with that is like, how do you chase your purpose? And make money. Right. Because like, hey, I love watching movies and hanging out with my friends and talking like this. And I like going out to the bars and drinking and playing mm-hmm. sports. But guess what? It doesn't pay a lot for somebody like me who's not very talented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy those things. Uh-huh. It doesn't mean I'm good at them. Right. You know, so it's like I can't be a professional at them. I'm not good enough. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I do them because I, I like to do that. I like to compete. I enjoy that. It's a good time. Yeah. So, all right. We're going to take a quick break. Dennis is going to pee. And we're back. All right. Yes. <laughs> All right. Dennis can Much focus better. now. <laughs> okay. So 
here's an interesting thing that I just heard about um, maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh, I believe it is the um, it's one of the larger medical like medical study universities in England. I think is doing this. Um, they're currently conducting a study where essentially what happened was the the psychedelic researchers around the world, especially the ones dealing with ayahuasca, notice some trends, I guess you could say. They happen to notice that the vast majority of people that do ayahuasca or have had ayahuasca experiences make two claims. One, they claim of interacting with some other form or deity or entity. Okay. And two, they claim of traveling to some different dimension. Yeah. Okay. Well, especially with ayahuasca, where it, a lot of times it's in a group setting, sure, that would make sense. You know, if the whole group is doing this together, that they all claim to have seen a deity or have gone to a different dimension. Um, what's, what I find fascinating is the fact that it's not just people in group settings. And it's not just some random deity or random dimension. It's people that are in the group settings. It is individuals that they have done medical experiments with. Um, people that have done their own playing around with the shit, right? They they not only explain having interacted with a deity, but if you look at all their different stories, that deity is, I think they've narrowed it down to two or three explanations, two or three descriptions. Okay. Um, generally. And the location, that, that altered dimension or whatever, it's essentially the the same description given by anybody who's done the ayahuasca or, or an extremely, it is such a similar description that it can't just be considered coincidence. Exactly. All right. And that's what this new study is focused on. What are these deities or entities that they claim to be interacting with? And what is this altered reality or dimension that they claim to be going to? And why do people on opposite sides of the earth that do the ayahuasca experience at completely different times claim or why are they claiming to have experienced the exact same deities and gone to the exact same altered reality or dimension? Yeah. That's what I find fascinating. Oh yeah. Like you hear that all the time. It's people like uh, even like acid, sure. you know, yeah. and again, whatever. Like you take the thousands of humans that have done this drug and sure. And a lot of them see the very say, oh, same okay, They went to a deity or they went to a different place and they saw a deity. No big deal. Right. Even though every single one, no, it's not just that it's, they experienced the same, the exact same deity and went to the exact same yeah. place. That's what is pretty wild to me. Absolutely. Because you, you hear that a lot in a lot of these stories. It's like, they, they can't all be the same. Like, I mean, granted, if it was like a group setting, you could have like experience right. with people or influence or what have mm-hmm. you. Sure. But if somebody's doing it remotely somewhere else and sees the exact same thing, it's like, there might be something there. And at I don't completely know. different times, right? Yeah. They could be years apart in time when the actual experience took place. And yet they'll still describe having gone to the same place and having experienced interactions with the same entities or deities yeah which is i find wild oh it's it's crazy to think about <laughs> i know like when i was you know, in my research i guess quote unquote research phase of just reading anything and everything i could about psychedelics before i did them um 
I had, oh, where was I going with that? I don't remember. Oh, that's what it was. So with mushrooms, I knew that I, I had kind of decided that mushrooms was going to be the first one that I tried. Um, basically because of everything that I had read, it was kind of considered the least powerful one of the psychedelics. Um, right, the, the kind of dose that I, of mushrooms I would have to take to elicit the same experience as a single hit of LSD, right, is quite exponentially larger than the amount of LSD I have to take for that experience. Um, so I, I decided mushrooms. Now, I was under the, the assumption at the time or from what I have read and seen that, you know, it seemed like most people were saying. You pull your mic up just a touch. Yeah, two to three, uh, two to three grams of mushrooms was a, a pretty good dose. Yeah. Um, things like four to eight grams, in between four and eight grams is usually what I would hear people refer to as, you know, a, a um, not extreme, but um, what was the word I was looking for? Almost like a, a breakthrough level, like a very high. That's a dose. lot. That's a lot. Of, yeah. And so, again, me wanting to kind of experiment on myself, I ended up doing five grams the very first time. That's ballsy. I, like I didn't it. do it all at once. I, I split it up. And I think I started with two gra- three grams. Yeah. And then about three hours later, I took the other two grams. Um, I didn't. What's wild is even though there, there were visions like, you know, imagine like a dream kind of if you closed your eyes, the visions that you can see in your head. Right. That's where the, the weird shit. Like I didn't see things that were not there right things that were not physically in the room did not just appear in the room in front of me <laughs> right? there were no pink elephants walking across the ceiling or anything like that now what i will tell you is that the ceiling did look similar to this where it's that that swirl like brush swirl pattern where they make a small circle and then you make you know bigger circle out of swirls around it and the swirls just keep getting bigger and yep. bigger yeah at one point laying in the bed those swirls did start to rotate <laughs> and I'm watching the, the ceiling kind of this rotation. And then uh, what I hear a lot of people explain that, you know, they, it's like it started breathing at me. Right. So now it's not just a single flat ceiling that's rotating in one dimension. It's now coming down towards me and moving away from me at the same time, almost as it's as if the ceiling itself is a diaphragm, like a, a diaphragm yeah. breathing in and out. Right. And I can see this, <laughs> and it's still swirling, and then it becomes almost translucent, like I can see through the ceiling. Um, it was almost like trying to watch a movie while wearing somebody else's prescription eyeglasses. Okay. Right? The ceiling was the prescription eyeglasses and that I was looking through, right? So it kind of distorted, it made it a little bit opaque or... Or whatever, and then beyond that, I could see the image of the movie, kind of playing. And that movie that I saw, I remember describing it to my mother that night, <laughs> um, telling her how it, it was like I watched the entire life story of the universe from beginning to end in an infinite instant. Like I watched the entire infinite long story of the universe take place just in a split second in my brain. And my smart ass mind's going, how did it start? (laughs) 
<laughs> the thing but, is, like details, what's wild is details are, are difficult. Like very specific details are difficult to remember. When I try to think about it, I, this, I get this image that manifests in my head of a literally a bird's eye view, like yeah. soaring over the Grand Canyon, right? And then you know how they'll show like in documentaries about nature or whatever, they'll like do a time lapse or speed up. Yeah. They'll speed up and they'll breeze through 200 years of what this region of the globe looked like, right? And you can see the, the whole landscape morph and change as, that, as it's going through that time lapse. That's kind of what it was. Like that's how the, the image, I guess, looked. It was like a that time lapse, but instead of being on a specific, like on the Yellowstone Forest, it was of the entire fucking universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it did, it did feel like there was something, a, 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 I don't want to say a deity or, or an entity necessarily, but there was some form of concentrated energy. It was like it was beside me, kind of guiding me through that entire thing. I did not talk to it, you know, I didn't necessarily interact with it, but there was a presence. It, it, it there was a presence, and uh, it it felt as though that presence is what was manifesting the the images in front of me okay. that I was seeing essentially. So it it kind of chose the path that that the, my brain went. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I did make some notes. I don't know if you if you're interested in them, but I made Light some notes the next day. Just you know, that's again, that's the biggest thing is taking the time afterwards to. Reflect. I reflect. Think. Yes. Right. And what did I see? Why did I see this? You have to what does figure it mean? out. There you go. Yeah. Yes. You have to figure out the meaning for yourself. Um, note one, the very first thing I got written here with a big exclamation point at the end of it. We are the dumbest smart creatures we know. We consider ourselves generally, especially if you talk to scientists, to be the smartest creatures in the universe. I've met people. I don't think they're very smart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and when you don't have anything greater to compare it to, right? There's uh, one guy, he explained there's, I think, what do you say? Three forms of unknowns, right? We have the known unknowns, the things that we know we do not know completely, right? We have the unknown knowns, the things that we somehow do know about, but we're not sure how or why we know them. Right. Could have been like, you know, childhood experience led me as an adult to to know this. Right. And I don't fully understand why I know it, but I do. Yeah. And then we have the unknown unknowns. Right. All the shit that we don't even realize we don't know. And to me, that is the one that takes up the vast majority of that that pie. Oh yeah, that's like 99%. <laughs> right. So to sit here and think that we are the, the smartest creatures. No, we're we're just That's arrogance and ego. One it's arrogant. Even to consider ourselves to be the smartest creatures on this planet, I believe is very arrogant and egotistical because there are other creatures that we know goddamn well can outperform us in many aspects, whether it be mentally or physically. Um, we are hands down, I think we are the weakest physical creature on this planet. Oh yeah. Pound per pound, anyways. Um, I got another one here. This was a, I ended up writing, yeah, it's like a page and a half explanation. I don't know how, and again, this isn't shit that I just come up with. Like, I pray to God that nobody hears this and thinks that I'm teaching them something profound. I don't know. Uh, that's a, that is one thing that I will say 
I'm very glad I, I had heard one gentleman explain before I ever did psychedelics was how there tends to there there are people who will have a single psychedelic experience and they will gain this the uh, what do you call it a um, not not a yogi but uh, they basically get a, a freaking god complex right yeah they believe that because they had this experience they are now privy to some unknown knowledge right that they themselves hold so they have to teach the world about it right and others should listen because they had this experience they know something that you don't yeah and that's bullshit there's one word for that it's called an asshole yeah and i would hope that nobody would think that, that like that is something <laughs> i ever since i heard that i thought to myself well one i could see how that that could absolutely be very easy for somebody to do and not even realize it right you know the I guarantee the first guy to discover fucking gold wanted to tell every other human about it, right? The first one to strike oil, he wanted to go out and tell everybody we about it. We all want it, to right? share our experience. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I can, I can completely so understand very, how that could happen. It's a very human thing, but yeah. the problem is is thinking that you're somehow special. Right. And you've got this unknown knowledge like you were talking about. Right. No, it's like most knowledge is unknown. Yeah. Like we have no clue of what's really going on. So this what I'm about to read was just simply a conclusion that my dumb brain came to based off of my own opinions, not that I'm some expert or anything. But I wrote down here that you know the brain the brain itself operates on autostasis, right? Everybody knows about homeostasis and they think, you know, but the physical brain operates on autostasis and it does this in an effort, so what autostasis is, or what I have written is, brain operates on autostasis, meaning that it is trying to predict future events based on your previous experiences in an effort to create homeostasis within the body, right? So my brain, your brain, is constantly trying to predict everything that's going to happen in the future based off of our past. That yes. way, it can physically prepare the body, right? Yes. Because even if that prediction is only 1% correct, right, having to adjust 99% is still easier than having to adjust 100%. Yes. Right? That's how autostasis in the brain creates the homeostasis in the body. Now, this requires much less energy than if we had to, like I said, this requires much less energy than if we had to react to every tiny change in our environment every minute of every day right that would take a lot of fucking energy compared to only even only being one percent correct in your prediction yes um the human body can adapt to almost anything given two things one force it needs a physiological or psychological effort to change right something that is pushing it to adapt right either physical or mental physical a perfect physical example going to the gym Right, go to the gym. You lift weights. Your body adapts. Yes, to that extra exerted energy by growing more muscle. You start going outside every day in a t-shirt when it's zero degrees outside and stand out there for five minutes. And in about ten days, your body's going to start adapting to that cold, and you won't feel as cold anymore. Right, it's going to be able to generate more heat when you walk out. So you need some kind of force that is pushing the body to adapt, and time. You have to give it the time. Those are the only two things that it really needs. It needs a push towards an adaptation, and it needs the time to actually make the adaptation. Yes, because it, it does take time. Mm -hmm. 
Every minute I spend trying to reduce the amount of effort I have to exert becomes a previous experience that tells my brain, flip the page here, to prepare my body to be lazier in the future, i.e. get weaker, get slower, get dumber. Every minute I spend trying to increase my effort becomes a previous experience telling my brain to prepare the body to exert greater effort in the future, i.e. get stronger, get faster, get smarter. Now, we're smart enough to figure this out, but so dumb that even as a massive group, all working together, i.e. society, we don't recognize it. Fair statements. Uh, and again, that's just something that I... You know, the next day trying to kind of process all the, the shit going through my head after about six to eight hours of this heavy five grams of uh, psilocybin or mushrooms. This is just something my brain came up with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of interesting. It is very interesting. <laughs> <and> very applicable. <laughs> yeah. It just, yeah, it just, it does. It causes, I remember doing the LSD. Um you know, we did it at my place. My best friend came down for him and I. It was the very first time that either one of us had done it. And, um, you know, several, a few hours, three, four hours into it, then we were, it was 4th of July weekend, and we were laying out in the grass making snow angels. Just looking up at the sky, laughing as the sun was going down. And then probably about midnight or 1 a.m. when it really, when we finally started to sober up, we were sitting on the couch kind of talking to each other, trying to explain the experiences that we just had. And my best friend looks at me and he goes, man, he goes, I haven't felt like that since I was five years old. He goes, just that, that, you know, laying out there being stupid and making, you know, yeah. snow angels in the grass. He goes, the innocence of the, it. Yeah. The, the, not just the innocence, the, the, the overwhelming joy that I felt and the warming of the heart. He goes, I haven't felt that kind. It was like being a little kid on Christmas morning again. He goes, I haven't felt those kinds of, you know, I haven't felt those feelings to that high of a level since I was that, that little kid. And to me, it makes me think of nuance, right? The nuance of something. You only ever experience that nuance once, right? The very first time you did it. Yeah. From that point on, the rest of your life, your brain already has an idea of what kind of feelings and emotions that... and that experience is going to elicit, right? The nuance diminishes every single time okay. you have that experience. Yeah. Right? The the filter in the brain is becoming stronger and stronger, and it's filtering out more and more of the information as you become older and the more that you have that same experience. And then all of a sudden you come in and bam, you smack it with some psychedelics and you shut that filter off. And now all of that nuance is coming back. 40, 50 years later, you know, however old you however are. However long, yeah. However long it's been since you were that little kid, right? And um, that that really hit me because I did. I, at that moment when he said that, that's I kind of realized that. Like, yes, that's that's exactly what it was, right? That was seven-year-old Dennis waking up at 4 a.m. and standing next to mom's bed, staring at that clock, waiting for it to hit 7 a.m. so I could wake her up so we could open the day of presents because I was so excited, <laughs> right? Like that level of joy, I would say from the time, from, you know, 10 years old until 35 or whatever it was when I f did mushrooms the first time, that didn't exist anymore, right? I'd experienced it as the kid, 
but again, I experienced it every year, my entire life. And every year, you know, the, those feelings of joy were a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. Yeah. Right? Cause there's nothing new about it. Exactly. You've, you've lost the your, your brain puts in the compartment. Like, ah, we've been here before. Don't need to worry about this anymore. Unfortunately, I believe that's the same thing that leads to addiction. Is you're fighting to get an addict. An addict is simply fighting to get the same nuance of the very first high. That's that's what you do. Okay. That's what an addict an addict is always chasing the original high, right? The very first time I ever smoked marijuana, right? That that feeling was awesome, right? Happy, giggly, laughing, whatever. You know, it was a, a great experience. But now that you've already done it once, you're never going to have that same level of nuance, right? And even on top of that, now we start talking about physical changes. Now the body starts to build a physical, um, not dependency, but tolerance, a tolerance to that substance. So not only do I lose the nuance of it every single time, but I also increase my tolerance every single time I do it, meaning that the the experience as a whole is diminished yes. each time. Yes. Right? So what do I do? Well shit, let me smoke a little bit more, right? And that'll get me up to that, that same level as the initial high. Maybe the first couple times you do it, but it also increases your tolerance each time. So now you got to smoke a little bit more and then the next time a little bit more and then the next time a little bit more, right? And it's just, and I've realized, I've, I caught myself doing this. Um, and I want to, again, that, I can't say definitively, this is purely anecdotal, but I truly believe that it was the use of the psychedelics. It was not until after the first time I did psychedelics that I could consciously recognize that in myself. The fact that I had gone from barely being able to take one little hit of marijuana off a bowl, like that alone would almost make me throw up. I'd get so damn high, right, to now... Being, I'm, you know, hitting the bong two, three times a day, four, five, six times a day, seven, eight times a day, right? And it's just increased so much because of my tolerance, right? Yeah. And because that tolerance has gone up, I have to smoke more because I'm trying to get the that same feeling that I had, right? That same joyful, happy feeling that I did the very first time I ever smoked. And I'll never be able to get that again. Never. Unless, no matter what you do, unless I stop smoking and I go long enough that my tolerance drops off completely and my brain starts to finally lose the memories of what that nuance was. But even then, like it's still going to be right. It's still not like going to be the a same percentage of what it was. It's still right. not going to be the same. It'll never be a hundred percent. No, ever. <laughs> uh, novelty. That's the word. Sorry, not nuance, but novelty. That's the word I was looking for. Novelty place nuance with novelty you, once you lose the novelty of it right yes there's no it's only a novel experience the very first time you have that experience beyond that it's not a novel experience it's something you've experienced before yeah and again your, your brain wants to just throw it in a box like oh we've been here before no big deal yeah so part of the psychedelics and that big mental reset that they do is now all of a sudden you can experience some of that novelty again right you might realize that oh this idea that I had based off of this one experience years ago, that wasn't necessarily correct, right? Now that I can re-look at things again with all the information and not just the filtered data, right? I might change my mind. <laughs> Possibly. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the intent going in is huge. Like, yeah. I've, 
So I did the mushrooms the first time. That was pretty good. I mean, there's definitely some moments of terror there. Um, then the LSD, uh, again, I don't, don't recommend trying to watch Avatar the first time you ever do LSD. <laughs> Besides that, though, it was a f- phenomenal experience. And the, again, it was beneficial afterwards. There was lasting benefits afterward. Very similar. I would say the benefits were very similar between psilocybin and LSD. Okay. The experience while on them may be different, right? Um, the LSD was, I felt a little more, not necessarily profound, just kind of a stronger, you know, it was a, everything that I experienced on the mushrooms just on a little bit more heightened level, okay. I guess, with the LSD. And then I did mushrooms again about a year after that. And that was the last time, uh, a couple of years ago was the last time I did any. Um, that one, man, again, I don't, I wouldn't say it was a bad experience, but near the end, it became kind of rough and it just, it made me wonder. Um, so what had happened was I had gone to my best friend's house this time <laughs> and we were out and, um, his fiance had come out. She was getting ready to leave. And I think that she's somebody that's always been interested, but she won't say it. Because he would tell her, hey, we're going to do this stuff, so don't mind us. Leave us alone for the next six hours or whatever. We'll, we'll you know, when we sober up, we'll come back. And, <laughs> and of course, she'd always pop out there, right? Because I think subconsciously she was really interested and wanted to know, but she wouldn't admit it. And I don't, know, I don't think she was in a good mood, though, that afternoon when she came out. And it just immediately, like, the moment she walked in and I looked at her, I could tell she was kind of angry. I guess, or in a frustrated mood. I don't know. She was heading to the grocery store for something and it just fucking killed it. I mean, the, the energy and the, the emotions that I felt just wash over me in that moment were horrifying to say the least. Um, I remember after she left, you know, I tried getting myself back into a better mindset. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, this was after two days of very heavy smoking and drinking and very little sleep and not eating good. You know, I'd been up there all weekend already at this yeah. point. So I'm sure that had a big effect on it. I'm sure. But again, as soon as that energy came out there, though, that's when it really clicked in the head. And yeah, it was horrible. Horrible experience. <laughs> and that, that energy. Um, and, and again, but that was right at the end. Everything up to that was a for good the experience. previous four or five hours before that was awesome. Yeah, we had a great time. Um, but in that experience, there was no intent going into it really other than just, Hey, we want to take some mushrooms and have a little fun. Yeah. Um, and what's, so, what's so wrong with that? I mean, what's right. Like his little recreation, a little, little good time. Like who cares? Like, but what's, what's the big deal? I go back to setting. But again, like that it, is why setting is important because but, somebody like that, that may not be there to negatively affect you still could potentially, yes. right? If they, I know it sounds all like just a hippie. The hippity bibbity mumbo jumbo bullshit, like hippie, but energy, jumbo. you know, that, that kind of energy coming out there, you do, you, you experience it. And I think the reason you experience it is because we have more sensory systems than the five that we get taught in school, right? Um, we have proprioceptors, proprioceptors are little receptors in your nervous system. That is how you're, you can close your eyes and that's what allows you to know where your body is physically located within space and time at any given moment, even though you can't see or hear anything around you, right? There's, it's an internal perception system. We also have, and I know I'm going to fuck up the 
the way you say, I think it's called enteroperceptors, um, which essentially help sense the environment uh, around you. Um, I, I, I can't remember exactly what their job is at this point in time, but they are spoken about it. And, uh, I know he talks about them in that book there. Who's he? Wim Hof. There we go. In the Wim Hof method <laughs> book. Yes. Fantastic one. I'm reading it right now. And I will say from, from that, from doing some breathing exercise, there, there are other ways to elicit the same, or not the same, uh, but I would say similar to type experiences as psychedelic experiences and to elicit the same benefits. Yes, because again, without our, using our bodies are meant to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> there's a reason. Yeah. Uh, but that energy is something specifically I want to cover is that on uh, Tyler's second episode with the Endless Endeavor on episode 112, where he went back to do ayahuasca a second time. Mm-hmm. And he did it over a weekend then. So he did it twice. Yep. Did a Friday night and a Saturday night. But he had talked about, like, in his first time, like, he wanted, like, what's, uh, who, who have I become? And, like, in what he kind of came to the conclusion of, like, okay, I'm a protector. I'm meant to do this. I'm meant to, to be uh, a, a person who fights for people who can't fight for themselves or protect those who are, you know, incapable of protecting themselves, those kind mm-hmm. of things. And, and he had talked about that on his second uh, experience, which he had had uh, with, with his aunt. And there was a couple other people there. And, um, and, and his, and in him being being a dude, like he wants to protect the females a lot more than he wants to protect the males. He's like, males be able to protect themselves. If not, I'll protect you. But I don't care much, as much about you as I do, like uh, the, the the ladies here. And I know that he was having an experience where he heard uh, the ladies have like a really bad time. They were crying. They were screaming. It was a you, you could tell they were having a horrific experience. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was like bad or they were scared like no like they were fucking terrified mm-hmm. and all he wanted to do was just go help that person so he literally set the intention in his mind in this group setting of like i'm gonna go battle the de- the, the demons the evil spirits whatever you want to call it you don't have to put words on it i'm gonna go right. battle the evil that they're dealing with and he had mm-hmm. talked about that where he could see he could see like in in his mind that they were like shadow creatures. Like they didn't really have a form. I right. couldn't I couldn't really see them because it was dark, but you could kind of see them moving, but I could feel them. Mm-hmm. He's like, and I was there battling them. And it was really interesting an in integration the next morning where this woman was reliving the trauma of being a young child about to be raped. And they were screaming and hiding under the bed and terrified and all those kind of things. And all of a sudden, they had this courage, this strength to stand up on top of the bed as this little little girl, this young child, and mm-hmm. say, nah, 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 you can't hurt me. Something gave them that strength. And obviously, we don't know if it was Tyler's presence there, if it was him battling right. those evil spirits. But it was so interesting to just realized that this person had been dealing with this trauma their whole life and they hadn't had the courage to like to stand up for themselves and be like no like i'm not gonna allow this to happen anymore i'm done dealing with this i need to move forward with my life and maybe somebody else's energy and strength and power had allowed them to deal with that in their own lives which Mm -hmm. is really interesting and it it brings up this point to, to me that it's like i really believe that we are more connected 
with with each other than we want to believe that oh, we yeah. are. You know, like, absolutely. Like I, I always tell people, you know, it's like you gotta trust your gut. If something feels wrong, if something feels off, especially when you meet someone new, mm-hmm. if you don't like them, there's gotta be a reason for it. You know, and it's like I think that's our body is telling us that hey, maybe we should you know not you know hang out with this person. They, yeah. they're, they're probably bad news. And it's like like it, this is obviously a interesting example of that, but. I really believe that we have that kind of power in our regular everyday lives. It's not just yeah. when you're tripping balls. You yeah, know? no, absolutely. I'd say in, intuition is a uh, a sensory system, essentially, yes. right? Where does that, that feeling of intuition come from? What sensory systems in my body are creating this feeling of intuition, whatever the feeling may be, and why? Yeah. And, well, why is easy to answer. I can usually figure out that by scanning my environment. Right? If we get a, an intuitive feeling about something, good or bad, it's because of our environment, something happening within our environment. But if it's only um, just in your immediate environment, I don't know if that's the case. Like, I think it's deeper than that. I, I, I think for, for intuition, again, we're trying to think of a good way to... Like The, the best example that I have of this is like mm-hmm. I can remember... A couple of years ago, I had had some uh, important meeting. I don't remember if it was like an interview for work or something, but it was a big thing. And I was talking with my mentor about it, and we were discussing and game planning and getting ideas going into this and whatnot. And it was really interesting. And I don't even think I told I, – I knew that he knew it was like the next day or the afternoon mm-hmm. or whatever it was. But I don't think he knew like exactly what time or what have you. But mm-hmm. I can remember talking to him like afterwards when I called him and we were talking. He's like, oh, yeah, I just – I got this overwhelming feeling at this time about you. And I just sat down and I – I mean, him, he was very religious. He's like, I prayed about it. But he was mm-hmm. meditating on it and sending good energy my way and doing those kind of things. And it was like that exact moment – that I was actually having like a phone call or an interview or whatever it was that was going on. I don't yeah. remember the specific event, but it was like one of those things that was like really powerful. It was like, shit, like how did you know the exact time? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's crazy. And there's other times where I've, I've thought of people that I hadn't talked to maybe in a long time. And I just reached out to them. Like, I'm thinking about you. I'm just going to shoot you a text. Be like, hey, haven't seen you forever. I was thinking about you. We should get together soon, you know? Yeah. And it was one of those, like, I remember getting a text back from my friend, and she was like, oh, my God, I think I manifested this. I was literally just thinking about well, you. Well, yeah, like, why, why is it that we, we do that? We were on each other's minds at the exact same yeah. time. It was like, that's kind of creepy. But it's cool. I find it very interesting. So those things, I guess I've never thought of that as intuition. Um, I thought intuition is, you know, I, I walk into this building and I get a gut feeling that yes. so, something's not right here. Yes. With right? what you do for a living and those kind of things. Yeah. Those kind of things make sense because that's more to me, that, on your that's mind. In- intuition. Yes. Um, I think there is a term for what you're what you're explaining, but I can't think of it right at this moment. <laughs> I'm just saying like – I guess I, that's – yeah. When I, I think really of the word intuition, that- though, I – I think of more of that. I, I truly believe that, again, we're more connected mm-hmm. than we give yes. ourselves credit for or that society tells us that we are. Yeah. And I think we need to let go of society and get back to our roots and our feelings. And, you know, damn it, let's let's all just go get high. <laughs> let's, let's do this thing. Yeah. Because I really believe that it would make the world a better place if people had more introspection of themselves, the death of their ego. And you know what, damn it, let's have some more empathy and love towards each other because guess what? But a better place for who? We're all the same thing. A better place for who? I I would think that 
you know, the narcissistic CEO of the Fortune 500 company, that no, that's not going to create a better world for him. Well, unless how, it breaks the narcissism. But how is it not going to create a better world for him? Because it's going to reduce all of that technology that makes him vast amounts of money. Okay. Well, and what if he being doesn't a narcissistic need individual, all that money? Well, that's why I said, unless you can get rid of the narcissistic thoughts. That's why I said we need the death of the ego. <laughs> yeah. We need yeah. to have that because, mm-hmm. again, like, to me, a good business is one where it's win-win. Sure. Where yeah. you're not screwing somebody over to make yourself shit tons of money and fucking all your employees. And, like, what was it? Like, uh, it was just on Joe Hogan a uh, couple of – I mean, I'm a little behind right now. But he just had a, a professor on or a doctor who was uh, exposing the cobalt mining in Africa mm-hmm. where all these – all these companies like Tesla, Apple, Samsung, all these major, major corporations who deal with any kind of batteries, which is, uh, I don't know, fucking all of them. Uh, right. They, so everybody in the world tonight does a psychedelic trip and we wake up tomorrow and we shut down all those organizations because of well, it. I'm not saying we need to shut them down, <laughs> but we need to stop saying that these are ethically sourced because they're oh, not. Yeah, yeah, no. They're, but we, yeah. Need, we need to, like, I don't know, maybe pay a little bit more so that we can have that be a safer product for those people and they can mine that in a safer way and not all get sick and be stuck in there and have no other way of making money. Like there's gotta be a better way to do this. I'm not smart enough to know right. what that is. Yeah. Oh but yeah. It can't either. be it can't be the way that it is. And more importantly, is we can't have the blinders on where these fucktards come on, you know, T V or whatever and say, Oh yeah, we ethically source all of our stuff. Like, no you fucking don't. <laughs> and you know that you don't. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it for fucking profit. And we need to stop doing that. You can take some of those profits and put it back into this mining thing and make it safer and better for those people, give them a better quality of life, and then it's a win-win for everybody. Like, what's so wrong with that? Like, if they don't want to choose to do that because they have other options, that's what we need to give them. Mm-hmm. If they want to do it, that's fine, but we need to make it safer and healthier for them and, and just stop the fucking bullshit. Or maybe we don't need the products. That's possible, maybe, too. Maybe the, the human species doesn't need 90% of... The shit that they everybody strives to be able to buy and and consume these days. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a big part of it. But too. then, how do we progress? What, what's I think, progress? I feel like that's the I, the big thing. But though. what is progress? Well, according to current society, it's the creation of new technologies. Right? These new technologies lead us to to this point, which leads us to doing this, and then we create more new technologies. Right? And we progress. Dare I say? So they say. Don't you hear most people say that they feel better when they get away from all that shit and they go hunting in the woods or they go backpacking out in in the wilderness and like on the uh, public land here that we have in the the country or they maybe take a trip over to Europe and they Mm -hmm. see people who live a simpler life and realize, oh. Maybe I need more of that in my life and less of YouTube and social media and my cell phone and all the addictions that that shit causes. Absolutely. And what do they do when they get back home? Well, hopefully they make some changes in their lives and live a healthier life instead, well, sure, of, re- instead of reverting back to all their old but how habits. But how many of them actually do, though? Probably less than 5%. Uh, yeah. Because once you get back home and you go to work the next day, then you're right back into that environment where you have society telling you, nope, that is not what you need. You need this new technology, right? Check your emails. Check your phone calls. Why didn't you respond to my text quick enough? Why didn't you answer your phone when it binged, right? All that shit. Yeah. And you're back into that environment where, no, it's this, 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 and you got to – you have to be successful for me. But Yes, right? but, I th- but there needs to be a balance, <laughs> right? Because like – like, well, yeah. like this cell phone that I have in my hand right now, this yeah. cell phone right here, this is a wonderful tool. But if you allow it, it can ruin your life. That's the thing. It, you know, we create technology for good reasons. 
There's not a single piece of technology that we have ever created for a good reason that could not be used for a bad one. Yes. And that's what we want to be blind to, right? We want to be blind to the fact that Facebook, as incredible as it is at connecting people around the world, is just as successful as at connecting the terrorists and letting them create their plots, right? Or helping them to. Yeah. Right? Because it creates a connection for them just like it creates a connection for friends. Right? They're using the, you know, the, the terrorist groups who use that technology exactly for the same reasons and the same ways that you and I do, right? It's just they're, they're connecting with other terrorist groups where, you know, you and I are trying to connect with friends. I mean, we built cars. We created, we invented the car, right? To make an easier form of transportation, transportation for people. Nobody had ever been killed by a fucking car accident until the car was created though, right? So just because we create things for good doesn't mean that we have to recognize. We have to be willing. If you're going to say that, hey, I've invented this and it's going to bring this incredible benefit to the world, it could also bring this incredible detriment and be used for these nefarious things. But I've never heard that from any inventor, from any company that has created a product, right? Um, I guarantee that if we were able to sit down and study, if you could compile all the medical records since Twitter was created, right? And you looked at the countries where it was most widely used. I guarantee you would see an uptick within a year or two after its launch of people going to health professionals for depression and stress-related issues. Why? Because as good as that technology and the, and the good reasons it was created to help us connect, right? That same technology was used to create this extreme environment of stress, right? Now... You cannot fucking walk around. You, How many people do you know could ignore their phone if they felt it vibrate or go ding? Not many people. No. I've, I've got friends that are addicted to their phones. My, and I might see them once or twice you know, a month, maybe, and we're together, and they're sitting there fucking playing on their phone. I'm like, dude, put your phone away. Like, we're here to talk. We're here to hang out. Like, I understand, like, if your wife or kids, like, text you, you need to text them back. I understand that. But you're fucking scrolling through Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. looking at butts. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> right. Like, put the fucking thing away. Yeah. It drives me crazy to, like, and I'm sure you've seen those people where, whether it's at a restaurant or, or anywhere, right? And That's the sad bing. part. Oh, oh. That's, it, that's oh, the sad okay. part. It's a restaurant. That, we it, see a family. Bing. Oh, shit. Where's oh. my phone? Oh, oh, okay. And what drives me even crazier than that is when somebody else wants to tell me hey your phone just went off <laughs> so <laughs> okay all right 10 years ago you couldn't have texted me you'd have had to wait till the next day once i you know listen yeah, to your, you, listen you, to your voicemail on my answering machine yeah, or you saw him at the gym and then or i called you or whatever right? yeah. yeah and like uh that's why I got rid. I used to have a one of the smartwatches, the Galaxy Watch. Those things are so dumb to me. Oh my god! Because you see someone look at their wrist, they pick <sighs> up the phone. They look at their wrist, yes. they pick up the phone. They look at their wrist, they pick up the phone. Just fucking pick up your phone. No like, shit. Why are you putting another step in here? What are we doing here? <laughs> I was I was out a couple weeks ago with my dad. Um, well, I guess it would have been over a month ago in December before the big storm, cutting wood. We're out in the you know the forest chopping up trees and shit. And I remember in the middle of running the chainsaw, you know, we both have chainsaws running and I just happened to be looking his direction and I saw, oh, take the chainsaw out, shut it off, put it down, look at his watch, oh, reach in the pocket, pull out his phone. Hey, you know, like, and it was my stepmom calling, I think. But in that moment, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, 
when I was a kid, we didn't have cell phones. If you no. were out here cutting trees, right, she wouldn't have been able to call you. You wouldn't have responded to that until later in the afternoon when you got done and walked back inside. And yet that would have been perfectly fine. Why is it that I'm now expected, no, you better respond within five seconds or else something's wrong, right? Like, why do we have this idea that that we immediately have to respond? Like, that, I don't get that. That drives I, me insane. I remember hearing somebody say that. this like, a long time ago, and they said, just because now you can reach someone at any moment in time doesn't mean that you should. Exactly. And also doesn't mean that they need to be available just so you can't. Like, I, I think it's health. I mean, cause granted, like, I got off social media years ago, probably for the wrong reasons, but it's okay. But I found myself so much happier not on social media nowadays. And again, yeah. when I spend time with friends, like, oh, granted, this is a great example, is like, like my daughter came home for Christmas and mm-hmm. I got to spend like a week with her, which was great. Cause normally I get a couple of days cause she's so busy and got to right. go see other family and get back <laughs> to school and do all those other things. Like, I get it. Oh, she, yeah. She's busy. I understand. This is a tough part of her life, you know, but I, I got to spend like a whole week with her and it was great. But like, we just hung out because she had been running and running and running and running finals for college and everything else. And she just wanted to chill. Like I had some things that we went and did, of course, mm-hmm. you know, I tried to get some activities and some things that she might like and some, some things we went and did. And obviously we saw family and all those kind of things, but like mostly she just wanted to chill and just relax because she'd been running for months, you know? And it's like, I felt bad because like she went, you know, back to, to college and it's like, we didn't get any pictures together. We didn't have any <laughs> pictures of the things that we did or the things we went to go do or see or yeah. friends that we hung out with or family that we saw. I had no pictures. I'm like, I kind of feel bad about that. But when I'm seeing people that I love, like friends, family, whatever, I try to put my phone away and I try not to get it exactly. out. And that's also a part of the detriment is like, shit, like I really wish that I would have taken some pictures and we could have you know, had those moments that we just could look back on later and think about, which is, which is fun. It's like, so I need to get better at that aspect of it to make it more of a benefit for me. But I love the fact that when I'm spending time with the people that I love, I try not to be on my phone at all. I try to put it away. Like if something's really important, like you can keep calling, I guess I'll answer, but for the most part, it can fucking wait until I call you back later. It's it's not yeah. that important. Like, and plus, usually I know ahead of time if something's super important, I need to be looking out for it. So it's like we can figure that one out later. But there's not that many things out there to worry about. Mm-hmm. How many work emails have you gotten on a weekend, on a Saturday or Sunday, where if you did not respond before Monday, something just something truly did get fucked up? Right. I can't think of any. None. It can wait. Yes, it can wait. Because, <laughs> like, I've, I've got a work phone, and I just, I leave it with my laptop, and I, I check it on Monday when I get back to work. I'm not checking it all weekend. Like, sorry. Yep. Just because <laughs> you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, exactly. It can wait. I was reading a book. I don't remember what it was, but it, they, they had this, like, example, this analogy or whatever. You know, two gentlemen are walking down the street, and they come, there's a gate in the middle of the road. And the one gentleman goes, well, we should remove it. And the other guy goes, why? The guy goes, why is there a gate? You know, no use for it. No no reason for a gate to be in the middle of the road. The other guy goes, maybe we should figure out why it's in the middle of the road before we remove it. That sounds like a good idea. Right? Yeah. Instead, we just want to, if we do not immediately understand its purpose or why, 
we just want to exclude it, get rid of it, right? Instead of taking the time to figure out why it was put in place to begin with, just because it didn't make sense to us now, we're just, oh, yeah, get, get rid of it. That's dumb. We don't need it. When maybe it was put there for a really fucking good reason, you just don't understand it yet. Yes, that's the thing. Lack yeah. of understanding. <laughs> I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. we've been rambling for quite a while. Let's wrap this bitch up. you have any uh, closing thoughts you'd like to leave with the listeners? Yeah, don't do psychedelics for fun. Okay. Um, they are an extremely powerful and profound uh, medicine. And not that you can't have fun with them, but I think that's probably the number one reason I haven't done them again since the last time is because after that, I, I made the decision, you know what, if I'm going to truly do this and truly try to gain all the benefit from it, I should be doing this experience and being guided by somebody that really knows what they're doing, like a, an actual psychologist or therapist that has done this with patients. And because I want to have a very good intent the next time, which I think is going to be trying to stop tobacco use. Okay. Yeah. I can dig it. Again, I think low doses, yeah, you can have fun. But if you're if you're wanting to actually get a, a, la- a true lasting benefit from it, research it, do it correctly, don't do it just for fun. Well, I would, I would go on and say here that I would say that psychedelics are probably not for everyone. No. Because no. most people probably aren't prepared for the actual journey it's going to take to actually change your life with them, to have the right intent, to, to see what it actually means for you and then how to apply that in your life going forward to make you a better version of yourself. I don't think most people are there, but I will say that I think that anybody who's struggling with something could really benefit from it if it was in the right set and setting Absolutely. with the right intent and those kind of things. And I, I believe that we need to open our open our minds as a society and get away from all this religious bullshit of the, those are evil, those are drugs, this is of Satan, blah, blah, blah. We, we need to get away from that lack of, you know, propaganda well it's not not that it's like it's just let's just expand our minds to to realize that you know what just because these are different than something that you've done it doesn't mean that they're not beneficial and and i think that there's a great benefit that can be there and again there's a reason why our minds and brains like have these receptors like why i believe we're meant to have these things but there's also a reason that none of these things were considered illegal by humans until the pharmaceutical industry again that's that's all, that's all just <laughs> bullshit for right. profit because these that's, these these were the medicines these yes. were the pharmaceuticals you know quote unquote absolutely just a couple hundred years ago yeah and those and, and, and beyond those are the things that we need <laughs> for to all get, previous human existence those are the things that we need to get back to as a society uh-huh. to to get away from all this corporate greed because that's all it is is you can only do this because it makes me like the reason that I can drink alcohol, which which I enjoy, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I love it. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I drink it. The, the reason that I can do that and I can't smoke weed, like, this is fucking insane. You're telling me this is a Schedule 1 drug and I'm going to go to jail if I fucking have this in my possession? Fuck yourself. Like, it's so much healthier to me than alcohol. But... I can have alcohol, and that's okay because people make money off of that. But it's just I mean, we gotta right. get we gotta get away from the corporate greed. You gotta not, stick to meth, man. It's only scheduled two. Well, there's that. But it's healthier for you than with, weed, apparently. With all this division <laughs> and this bullshit of the yeah. fact that we're all different, and um, all these corporations are trying to keep us divided so they can keep making all this money and whatever it is, the bullshit reasons that they have. It's like we need to realize that we're all just one. We're all just the people. We're all this one collective entity that's here on this planet at the moment. 
and we're not going to be for all that much longer. Like we're all going to die. Like, like I, I always, I say like all the time, you know, it's like, I've probably got more summers behind me than ahead of me at this point in my life. Right. You know what? It's like, I want to make the best of it that, that I can. I want to be the best version of myself that I can. And, and I want to try to love people more and not just, you know, write people off because they believe in things differently than I do. Like they have mm-hmm. the right to believe in whatever they want to believe. And I should exactly. love them for who they are. If, if they're a dirt bag, then I'm going to say they're a dirt bag. I'm not going to spend time with them. This, but if they're good people and I should be able to love them for who they are. And that's just only love people who believe the exact same things that I believe. That's fucking crazy. Insane. So I, I just, <laughs> I think if people would get a little high, if we could just focus health we would all love each other and happiness. <laughs> if we would just focus on our health and happiness. Yes. Right. That would be, be that, such a better world. That it would be. That for, was my well, for yeah, everyone. Got to ask any New Year's resolutions. I don't do resolutions. I made a re- <laughs> resolution years ago that if I need to change something in my life, I'm going to change something in my there life. You go. I'm not going to wait till one specific day to do it. But right. in the last couple of years, I do need to take a better look at how I've done that previous year and develop a better plan, maybe going into the next year. But I don't want to have like, oh, well, I'm going to do this or I'm going to start that. Like, no, I need to reflect on how I've done and say, okay, I need to do better with this. Like, I'm good good there. I need to focus more here now instead or whatever. So I need to do a better version of that, I think, come New Year's. Um, but I don't sit down and make actual resolutions like, oh, I'm going to cut out sugar or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do right. that or I'm going to go get hair plugs, you know, and stop being bald. I, I'm, I'm not doing that kind of shit, you know. I don't make resolutions. I make intents. Yes. My not. intent for this year is that every decision I make is based around the idea of making me healthier or happier. Because I believe the healthier and the happier I am, the more beneficial I can then be to others. Yes. And that's that's a fair statement. Yep. All right. Well, sir, this has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. I greatly appreciate you coming over. <laughs> Had all, a blast, man. Always a good time hanging out. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll do this again soon. Excellent. Look all forward right. to it. We will see you guys next time. All right. Well, that wraps up another great episode. It's always good to sit down with Dennis. We always have great conversations and I definitely look forward to when we can actually sit down and have a deep and fun, interesting conversation like this. And hopefully you guys are enjoying that as well. And if you have not uh, listened to the podcast that we have mentioned in this episode, please do yourself a favor and go and check those out. They are very interesting. And just even if you're not super interested in ayahuasca itself or psychedelics in general i think it would just be beneficial to listen to what other people are gaining from that because i would dare i say tyler stanaway specifically had a life-changing experience with ayahuasca and it was it was very cool to listen to him articulate that the best of his ability because obviously some things words can't really explain If you guys are still listening this deep into the episode, thank you so much for all of your support. It really does mean the world to me. Keep doing what you guys are doing. The show is growing. It's really exciting to see. Talk about it with your friends. Share it on social media. And please, wherever you are listening to this, go out and leave the show a five-star review. That is the best thing we can do right now to help this show grow. 
And if you guys do have any questions that you would like to ask me or our regular guests or perhaps just a topic that you would like us to cover, feel free to reach out to us. You can go to uncensoredhumanity.com and fill out the Contact Us form. Or you can go to Uncensored Humanity. Well, not go to. You can send us an email at uncensoredhumanitypodcast at gmail.com. And both of those will land in my inbox, and we will get those sorted out in an upcoming episode. Well, that is all we have time for this week. So we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.